fuck Nazis. Hey, welcome to the Vacation Podcast. I'm your host, Brady. I'm Joe. I'm Cole. And tonight, Tyler has been kidnapped by Canadians. So we have a guest host with us, which is Cole's roommate, Lydia. So we say guest host, but this is also this is also her audition. So we'll see how this yeah. goes. It's trial run. Now the application did say your favorite so movie was Avatar, so you're off to a bad start. So what? You also named like four other Disney movies too. You so said many. top five, and I specifically said in no particular order because they're all very different. Let's be real. You probably put Avatar number one. Maybe. Your silence says, you know, says everything. Hey, hey, I spend a lot of my life watching it because I've watched it over 20 times. I will give you props for Prince of Egypt because Prince of Egypt is probably one of the greatest animated movies of all time. And someone here hasn't seen it. I just well, have no a piece of shit. I have no interest. In my defense, I have seen it. I had a stroke in between seeing it. And then oh, well, God has no interest in you. Now I don't remember so. it. But it's I have seen it. So I, good. Had, I have a leg up on Cole. And it's All right, no one caught my line. Very good, very good. So how are we doing, ladies and gentlemen? We're pretty good. I'm cold, dude. Dude, it's cold. Like, all of a sudden, it's just cold. I don't like it. We had our first cold front down here in uh, South Texas, so we were at a... Ever? No, just for the <laughs> for the season. Um, I think we had a high of 50... Or sorry, a low of 50-something this morning. Yeah, it uh, was like in the 50s yesterday here. High 76 today, so thought for you, okay? What? It was like 32 this morning. I got in my car and I said, yo, bro, you got some ice on the road. Be careful. Oh, shit. I don't know, dude. Okay, like we... Our cold front's not that strong over here. Oh, it's, it's the low of the 50s. Fuck out of here. That's cold for South Texas, okay? I don't mind it, but it's cold for South like Texas. Right it's now. cold for Florida, like too. Like it's Weenies. You put the heat on today. That's a waste of money. That is a waste of money. Suck it up, Cole. You really put, put your... the heat on and you said it was like 50 down there? Yeah. I turned it off. Put your screws yeah, in the truck sweater today on. And they, I noticed the up. fucking air's off. Put your Scrooge 50. McDuck sweater on and get over it. I know. Put your it's a, it's on. It's a Darkwing Duck sweater. They're the same person. They're both ducks. That's racist. They both, they both quack. That is kind of racist. Yeah. They don't quack. How is that racist? Ducks quack. Quack. What else does a duck quack. do? Yeah, but do they play hockey? Quack. Do they quack? Is quack. that what they call it or do they call it talking? Because theoretically, it's clack. Theoretically, it's still quacking. No one's a join on the mighty duck. Quack they just, you know, y'all. turned on the. They just turned on the subtitles so we understand what the quacking means. But that's not that's not subtitle. Well, I guess that'd be dubbing. A over. dub, exactly. We dub ducks in America. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I guess. Fine. I win. All right, cool. <laughs> Cole, do you have any news for us other than what I already put in the thing that we'll talk about real quick? I do not have any news. Um, hey, Cole, have you finished She-Hulk yet? No, I'm kind of... All right, I'm going to spoil it. Um, I know so, what happens. Oh, man, so you have finished She-Hulk yet, man? The Hulk son shows up and CGI ran out of time to fill in his hair. <laughs> yeah, 
I saw that. <laughs> Poor Scar, man. Scar does not look good. I'm sorry, but Jesus, his hair, his own hairline has a receding hairline. It was. Can I talk about She Hulk real quick since I finished it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I think this is probably my new favorite Marvel series, and it was fucking great, and I really enjoyed everything about it. It. I can see where some people might think it'd be like a knockoff of Deadpool because of her breaking the fourth wall and everything, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was different compared to what he would do. I really liked that, you know, it kind of joked on itself. People didn't like the finale, but I thought the finale was hilarious how they, you know, pulled everything together and they said, no, fuck this and kind of scrapped it in itself. I had a good time with it. I haven't liked the last couple Marvel shows. I didn't care for Moon Knight. Um, Loki was good. What if was all right. Um, but I think She-Hulk is probably my new favorite Marvel series so far. I'll probably finish it eventually. I just haven't same, I just haven't same. had time to watch it. We're still behind on Jeopardy. We didn't even finish the second Lord of the Rings. We got like an hour and stopped. Come on, Jeopardy's Ooh. only 40 minutes. You think I have 40 minutes to watch Jeopardy? You're Celebrity Jeopardy. Cole, I do not understand your time management. You do nothing. That well, is, he works now. Oh, oh, I do work. He goes oh. to work an hour and a half early. Yeah. Why? Why? You know I'm on time. Don't you live like five minutes away? Like fifteen, but yeah. Jesus fuck, dude. Get a scooter and just push the temp, push the envelope. Anyway, next topic. Cole, what else you got for us? I don't know. What do I have for you? I got something for you. The fact that Marvel's fucking up so hard that they fucking, like, they just straight up are like, hey, you know that Blade movie that everyone was looking forward to? Eh, we're not going to do it right now. Sorry. Eh. Yeah, they're looking and, for and, and a director. They, yeah, they're looking for a director because the director literally came out and was like, yo, I do not have enough time in the time frame that they're pushing me to make this movie to give the fans a proper Blade movie. So I'm going to step out. And that's what he did. And I don't blame him because if he wants to make a movie that he feels is perfect for the fans, then let him do that. But no, Kevin Feige and Marvel can't let any director do that. Hence why you get Multiverse of Madness. That's a low blow. No, it's not. It was the second Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. So bad. It, it would have been better if Kevin Feige was like, hey, we hired you for a specific directorial style. Please do that style. Not, hey, can we just put your name on the poster and say it's your movie? Because that's what they did. Yeah. Also, the dude that directed No Way Home was supposed to direct Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. And he stepped down literally for the same exact reasons. He was like, they literally let me film No Way Home. They gave me like two days off and wanted me to rush into production for Fantastic Four. And he was like, I, I can't. I want to spend time with my family. So the and fact that Marvel... Feige's like, you have no family now. Marvel's your well, Marvel, But that's so fucked up. That really is. Like, that's called Marvel capitalism, baby. It's called Marvel should not product. I'm sorry, but I know no. Cole like I know Cole likes these movies. I know a bunch of people likes these movies, but the reason they're tanking so hard, like quality wise, is yeah. because of that right there. It's that's fucking how stupid. Pokemon works too. Jesus. 
I don't know what yeah, Pokemon it's true. Is. <laughs> they release a Pokemon game every year, and every year people say, this sucks, this wasn't finished, stop rushing it. And then the other half is like, we want more Pokemon games, even though these ones sucked. That's actually a really good analogy. Mm-hmm. I can feel that with Assassin's Creed games. I never played those. Call of Duty. Never played them. Yeah, but Call um, of Duty is just a reskin of the last game, really. I have some news. Um, I don't know if y'all read, but um, they are working on a sequel to Twister, which is like one of my favorite game? movies. No, no, the movie Twister. <laughs> Why? I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, they're working Why? on a, a sequel to Twister. Um, well, there was always supposed to be a second one, but I never got around to it. But it, I'm it's actually falling into Avatar territory now. I'm a little excited for it, only Wait, because no, of who's it. who's behind it. So, uh, Warner Brothers and Amblin are backing it. The the guy no, who wrote dead. What are you gonna do? The guy who wrote The Revenant is uh, writing the script for for Twisters. Spielberg Alejandro really G. liked Naruto? it. What? Alejandro G. in Naruto or whatever his name is? Uh, no, Mark. Smith. That's the guy who wrote The Revenant. The book. Oh, you're talking to the book, not the movie? No, I'm talking about the script. I know. The Revenant, the movie, was written by the director. This article says otherwise. Um, so maybe they got it wrong. But uh, anyway, it's getting fast-tracked, and they're looking at getting the directors from Free Solo or the director from Prey to uh, direct the movie. I'm a little excited for it. I mean, I like Twister's a to me, it's like one of those underrated movies, kind of a cult classic for me. I really like it. Twister. He wrote half it. of it. It's a double writing. Okay, like, well, there you go. Mark Smith is co-writer. Well, they didn't mention the director from this one. Anyway, I'm excited for it. Twister, as a kid, scared the fuck out of me because I was scared of thunderstorms as a child. But this movie made me want to chase uh, bad weather and have a good time. Only thing is, instead of suck, we're not going to have Bill Paxton, but they're trying to bring back Helen Hunt for it. I don't see her coming back, to be honest. I don't see her coming back either. But hey, we'll see what happens. I don't know, man. It just, for me, it just, I watch Twister and like science class. It's not bad. It's the suck zone. But like, in my opinion, it just falls in the avatar space of it's too little too late. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I I feel like because it doesn't have. Look, avatar has only been like, what, 10 years? Yeah, but it's been like 25 at this point. Like, come on. But it doesn't have the hype the way Avatar does. That'd be Avatar like making Woo! That'd be like Had. making That'd be like making Godfather Part One back in the 70s and just now releasing part two this year. Hey, hey, hey. James Cameron has all the sequels written out. One to four written out. He had them written out by the time one was released. So it was well, then he should have filmed them earlier. Know what he was doing. He was, I believe the quote was, I'm waiting for the technology to catch up with my vision. Okay, well, he didn't have to wait for his uh, he didn't really have to, wait to catch up long. his vision for Terminator 2, and that's the best damn sequel anyone's ever made. So, George Lucas made Star Wars in a fucking cave. James Cameron could have done this, too. I'm sorry, but CGI versus practical is fucking bullshit. Like, CGI is 
CGI is dog shit compared to practical effects. Hey, hey, the life pie was very good. Anyway, mm. that marine biologist of a director can fuck off. <laughs> there was one other thing for news that I wrote down, but I wrote it down last week when we were supposed to record, and so right now I gotta pull it up because I can't remember. Oh, Deadpool? Yes, there. Okay. Deadpool, uh, Logan's Deadpool coming three. back. Cool. Here we go. Uh, Hugh, Jackman's blazing. Coming. Hugh Jackman's coming back. Oh, are we already on three? I don't know why he's... I don't know what the story's gonna be. Don't care. I'm hyped. Should be good. If he's not in the yellow costume, I don't want it. They gotta put him in the costume. This they is definitely have to last, put him in the yellow this costume. Is definitely the last time he's doing this. Put him in that fucking costume. I don't care. I don't care. Make it happen. They've shown the costume before. Put him in it. Yes. Ooh. And I think it was just in a deleted scene. It wasn't even in the fucking movie. No, it wasn't the movie. Unless I watched an extended version of it. Oh, that ugly thing? Oh, jeez. Ugly thing. Superhero Wolverine. Yeah, and it was an ugly costume. It was yeah. not an ugly costume. It's a good costume. It's iconic. Lydia, do you have any news as the new uh, new kid of the block here? I'm scared. Oh, do I? Do you? Anything, uh, anything pop culture head. related? Avatar 2's coming out, baby! What about funny coal experience during the week? Please, no. <laughs> I haven't done anything funny this week. I know. Next week, though, you will. <laughs> All right. So we'll come, we'll circle back around for a, for a coal, a life, a day in the life of coal update. Uh, our new Christ. segment that we're working on. Let me write that down real quick. Day no. in the life of, of coal. Oh, oh. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some girl unmatched him on Hinged. Wait, no, Bumble. Wait. No, unmatched him? Unmatched. She probably saw him at or realized he worked at Disney too, and she's like, "Oh fuck." Oh, but he did find her on Bumble. And I, no, I was it Bumble or Tinder. I found her in one of the other apps, and I was and I did the bat did the other swipe. I was like, "You no. know what they say when there's a will and there's a way." Just calm down, there, Dom. The boy. sad thing is, I know where she works, and I'm I'm not gonna. That's not creepy. That's not creepy. No, because she told me. Oh, she Jesus. told me when we were talking. No, I'm bleeping all this out. God. Yeah, that, please that's, censor that's all crazy. of this. Drink your Maha, anyway. your Mountain Dew Baja Blast and shut up. So, uh, before Sponsored we get Mountain on, Dew Baja Blast. Anyway, uh, before we get on to spooky season episode, uh. There's some movies that some people haven't seen that I have. So, well, there's really only one. The rest are spooky adjacent. So, uh, as we kind of knew earlier this year. Oh, yeah. We're going to start talking about movies now. Cool. Um, there was a Marilyn Monroe movie coming out. Blonde. Blonde, yes. Made by the same director that made Killing Them Softly, starring Brad Pitt. There's a lot of uh, controversy around this uh, movie. A lot of it has to do with like the content of it being oh, very... Oh, I thought it was uh, she wasn't white. No. Uh, look, I'm not even going to start talking about that because there there is no way that i can talk about that without coming off as an asshole Mm. i'm not saying it was a i'm not saying it was a bad choice 
but I'm not saying it was a great choice either. I'm just saying it was a choice that was made. And if you feel a way about it, then you're a piece of shit. And if you feel another way about it, you're also a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So the title of this I'm episode sorry. is Brady Gets Cancelled. Anyway, um, mostly mostly the controversy, like get over the fact that Anna Darmus uh, played Marilyn Monroe. Cool. Get over that. Let's move past that. Most of the controversy in this movie is the content of the movie itself. Uh, I think a lot of people went into this movie or heard about this movie thinking, oh, we're getting a Marilyn Monroe biopic. And that's not what this movie is at all. Like, it's a fictional story that kind of takes place during the period of her life. And it's... um, Uh, it's fucked up it's exploitive as hell like it really is um i it's like two and a half hours long i think almost three and it took me about four to watch because i had to keep pausing it to write down like notes and things like that to write down a review because because that's just like it just it the movie pissed me off the movie pissed me off. Uh, it was it was disgusting. It was disgusting. Uh, there was an obscene amount of like rape scenes for no reason. Jesus, this this That's literally a male is, fantasy or something, something. This is this is literally the movie itself is literally like two and a half hours. I'm not I'm not even exaggerating here. Of basically Marilyn Monroe getting physically, mentally or sexually abused in some capacity for pretty much the entire runtime of the show. It's so fucked up. There's there's like two abortion scenes. Two. Um, Jesus Christ. And like I'm not just saying like oh they imply that she has an abortion. Like they, they go graphic and like put you inside Marilyn Monroe while performing them. Oh God! There's see there's CGI fetuses talking to her at one point, convincing her not to go through with it. It's it's a this. Yes, there there's there is some choices that were made in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Is Mickey Mantle in this movie? Who? Mickey Mantle. Who? Who? Baseball player that dated her. I thought it was Joe DiMaggio. It was Sorry, Joe, Joe DiMaggio. DiMaggio. My bad. My bad. My bad. She took, she, yeah, he's played yeah. by he's played by Bobby Cavanell. Um, and they don't they don't say those names. By the way, like, I don't think show? they legally got I don't think they legally got clearance to say some of the more famous people's names because uh-huh. they use they they referred to him as the baseball player. They what? referred to his her her uh, second husband or whatever as mm-hmm. the playwright, and he was a very famous author and everything like that um that makes so, sense because i can see how the yankees wouldn't let joe dimaggio's name get smeared like that well i think that's how they wrote it because it's based off of a book too okay. like the and this is the second time blonde has been adapted um it was wow. adapted in early 2000 something for t made like a made for tv movie um and that's what they did too they called him the baseball player and the playwright and things like that um so my review is, well, this movie was way overhyped prior to its release. I think it's important to know 
before settling down to watch this movie that it is a fictional take on Norma Jean slash Marilyn Monroe's life. It's not a biopic. It's a psychological drama. That being said, the first 25 minutes of this movie are very uncomfortable. The first 25 minutes are literally her mom abusing her. Like, there, it, it takes place, like, that part takes place in, like, the early 30s, I want to say. And there's, like, the California wildfires going on. And at one point, her mom throws her in a car and starts driving towards the fire. Just because. She was trying to convince a cop that, like, a famous director wanted to see her and had to see her, like, right now. And the cop was like, no, you need to go home. But, like, because there's a fire and you can't drive through the fire. It's fucked up. Um, And then it proceeds to get very boring and just drag on and on. There's also a lot of just weird scenes in this movie that are on a scale of just odd to what the fuck am I watching right now? There's some interesting cinematography choices that if, as a film nerd, I liked, but there's also a lot of just unnecessary things that happen in this movie. Like the two abortions that we had to like sit through the talking fetuses um, where I question how slash why it's even important to put in the film in the first place, especially some of the more graphics ones that come off as exploited like why do we need like four different rape scenes like why that we didn't need that at all ultimately this movie is trying to tell a story about a woman who clearly needed help but was just exploited for personal gain and essentially abused into submission with drugs which in my opinion feels ironic because there's many moments in this film where it felt like there was no real purpose other than exploitation of an icon with a very tragic life and that's my review of blonde like i do not i don't watch this fucking movie don't support this movie um i've had a couple other people that i talked to that watched it after i watched it and one of them said she made it about 45 minutes in and had to turn it off like um and another person just said it just wasn't good at all like Marilyn Monroe, like, I don't know enough about her life to be, like, offended for her or anything like that, but I feel like this is not how you make a movie about an icon. You know what I mean? Like, she's arguably Hollywood's greatest actress of all time, and this is how they were, like, instead of, like, hey, let's do a biopic where like, yeah, we can talk about some of the more tragic stuff, but let's celebrate her life. No, they're like, hey, remember a lot of fucked up shit that happened to her? Let's make it sound worse. And that's like, what let's, the movie Let's highlight like. all the bad shit instead of trying to show the good parts and why she was so so idolized. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was like There was like a moment where they're like watching a movie like, and it seemed like the director, like a, a movie of Marilyn Monroe like one of her movies. Um, and it seemed like the director got bored with directing at that point. So he literally speeds up the film, like to the next scene. And I was just like, if you're, if you're getting bored, like he, it felt like he had like contempt towards Marilyn Monroe and he just hated her and just wanted to make this movie to tell everyone how much he hated her. That's what this movie felt like. Um, all right. Anyway, we're going to move on to, Joe, how many movies, spooky movies do you have other than the main one? Uh, so I've seen two. Uh, one of them All right, so you have two, and uh-huh. I have two. All right, so 
I'll let you go first and then I'll go and then you can go. Okay. So the new one I saw, well, it, was, it was new to me, uh, was called Incantation. So it was originally released in Taiwan earlier this year. And then um, uh, Netflix picked it up to distribute it uh, internationally. Um, it's called Incantation. Quick synopsis, synopsis of it, um, more like summary of the story. Um, main character is cursed after breaking religious taboo in her family. And now she must protect her daughter from the consequences of her actions. So the movie starts off saying it's based on a true story. And it kind of fucks with your head by giving you these tests um, to kind of make your mind overwork and realize how how easily this could kind of control your mind. Um, it shows her and her family get into a car accident. Um, she uh, is also recording her reconnection with her daughter that she had given up for adoption at birth. Uh, she was being reintroduced into her daughter's life and was now um, taking her because she was not mentally capable of taking care of her when she was first born. So the main movie is like documenting her uh, her reintroduction to her daughter's life and then them trying to exist in the same space. But it's also flashing back onto why... Um, she had mental issues and why she had to give up the child at birth. Uh, her in, in the flashbacks, it shows her, her boyfriend at, her t- at the time and a friend um, going to visit boyfriend's uncle in like a small little village that he lives in um, where they're, pra- they're, like, they're very heavily practicing uh, their religion, which they, um, they uh, worshiped uh, a deity that uh, basically cursed them and they had to like pass on the curse to the family because they misunderstood the interpretation. Um, so throughout the movie, they're showing flashbacks of them visiting the um, visiting this village while in present time dealing with uh, the daughter starting to see the thing that cursed her her mother in time. The mother had kind of like fought it out basically through therapy and was like, nope, doesn't exist. But now this curse is, is picking on the daughter. Um, and it's, it was just kind of a mind fuck because as you, as you're watching both time frames, you know, kind of see what happening. Um, it was just a trip. And it was, it was all in, in their native language. I'm not too sure exactly what it is. I want to say Mandarin. Um, but it was fucking creepy because it, it kind of hit close to home because it reminded me of like growing up in Hispanic culture and how some people get kind of super hyper focused on certain deities, like into like the more like creepy stuff. But just seeing the, the flashback videos on her camera and of them, like the village trying to sacrifice a girl to keep this deity at bay and <clears throat> then them breaking into their like, the sacred area where they say, you know, that's the, that's the deity's area. Don't fucking go in there. And these young kids stupid enough decide, yeah, let's go in there. Let's be, you know, we're, we're being like, you know, supernatural investigators. Let's fucking go in there. And they just get about right. Yeah. And they just get fucking murdered in this. Have you ever seen VHS? No, I've never seen VHS, but I've seen, uh, 
I've seen his like the uh, like other similar movies to it. Like I think uh, okay. Quarantine was like in in, a, in the same vein as VHS. Kind VHS is more anthology. Okay. Like each each director has a different story, but there's a um. It's all in English, but there is a segment, and I think the first one that takes place in Indonesia that kind of sounds like that, where they go to like a temple, and all of a sudden this big fucking demons like killing them and chasing them. Huh. And it's all found footage. So like yeah, it's and this is up. this is kind of cool because like it was it was found footage essentially, but like like it was modern time. It didn't look like shitty, like the way found footage looks, you know, it was on a good camera, like it's clear as day and shit like that. Um I have an issue it, with found footage though. Like I love don't get me wrong, I love found footage. I love Blair Witch. Yeah, I love the VHS movies. Paranormal activity all f- effectively killed everything. From it, it really fucked it up. And you know the what's crazy like- is Halloween Resurrection was an early like it. It literally went Blair Witch and like Halloween Resurrection was a technically a found footage type movie. For me, par- Paranormal mm. Activity one and two were were solid, but then when they started putting them out like almost every year, it's like okay, you really fucked it up for everything. How but, many uh, of those did they end up doing in total? Didn't they do like seven of them? They're doing I think one, one literally just came out this year. No, they're doing a like new one. Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. So, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That did come out. Oh yeah, um, about that. it went it went straight to Paramount, and I think you can buy it at like Walmart for five bucks. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, to uh, to backtrack to this, so during all of this, the like I said, the daughter becomes cursed, and she's just going through it. Like the mom is trying to keep her, you know, alive and stuff like that. And it just gets kind of gruesome, and then it gets into a little bit of a tryptophobia, you know, the whole phobia of holes and stuff like that. Shit grosses me out. Um, but honestly, like, this was... I'm, I'm glad, you know, I was able to watch this one because it's fucking creepy. And like I said, it reminded me of, like, my Hispanic culture to where, like, people kind of get super obsessive with the religion that they're into. But they basically misunderstood... Irona. <laughs> they basically misunderstood that, you know, it... They that this deity is a curse and the only way that this curse can kind of stay at bay is if more people um, have seen it and accept it. And that was kind of the twist of the movie. Like as we're watching everything and the, 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 the main character is explaining, you know, what they were doing and stuff like that. She gets you to see what they saw to water down the curse to keep her family safe. And I was like, okay, cool twist. Interesting twist. Um, so, so why didn't she just do that from the beginning? Like, show it to everyone so it would, like, back mm-hmm. off her daughter. Look at it! Look she at it! Ther- she was in therapy this whole time. But yeah. I'm ugly and I'm proud. Uh, I want you all to look at it! <laughs> anyway. Um, I thought that was really, really good. Uh, I, f- I don't know how, but I'm I ended up being in a kind of like foreign horror movie lately because the next movie i saw which like it was a rewatch for me was called um veronica or veronica it was um based on a true story out of spain if i remember correctly and it's the only uh known case out of spain to where the police report says that the reason why they were called out to the scene was for demonic possession and that's in the actual police report um, so in this one, Veronica, um, main character Veronica, her father had passed away. Oh, I thought the main character's name was Steve. 
her father passed away. And so one day while at a private Catholic school, her and her friends to uh, decide to use a Ouija board and try to oh, make contact. What the fuck, Veronica? They try to make contact. Steve wouldn't use a Ouija board, Veronica. Come on. They try to make contact with her father during a lunar eclipse because this is known to oh, be all the way fucked up to be a, 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 do- a doorway for this type of thing. So they're in the basement of the school. They don't have to use a Ouija board. The doorway's in the church itself. <laughs> They use the Ouija board in the basement of the school to uh, call for her dad, but they end up calling a, just a demonic spirit. And uh, that's my cat, Fred. Um, Holy cat. Yeah, I have a cat. Oh, can you like go grab him? In a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they, they call, they try calling for her dad and it becomes, it's an actual, just an evil spirit uh, that's pretending to be her dad. And of course it attaches to her. And so it goes home with her. Uh, the demon then starts to um, basically attack her and her siblings, which she has uh, three younger siblings. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're just kind of going through the shit. The mom is working most of the time, so she's not really there at home. Veronica just kind of runs the show. Um, but the the demon will not leave the house. And it's just, it's, you know, it's... Well, you better start paying rent. It's Woo! coming into their, into their dreams and stuff like that. And it, even at one point, it tells the youngest boy that He's coming back for him tomorrow. It was like, oh, yeah, dad was reading me this book. He said he's coming back for me tomorrow. And he's going to take me home with him. And they were like, nope. Um, so Veronica is trying to figure out how to get rid of this demon. She's like, we need to finish the Ouija board uh, seance. So she's reading on how to kind of close the door to uh, get rid of the spirit. And so the climax of the movie is her and the, her and the siblings using the Ouija board to try to, to try to call this demon and send it back home. The thing is, the demon cannot detach from Veronica, and Veronica realizes that in order to get rid of the demon, she has to kill herself because it is a part of her. So at this point, the climax of the movie is like, shit's in the fan. Uh, The whole apartment's getting wrecked. And uh, the little kids leave. Veronica is looking for the youngest, her youngest uh, brother. and that's when she realizes she has to kill herself to save everybody. So at this point, the police have been called already. The police show up and it shows the police arriving into the apartment and her kind of like just arc backwards, bones breaking and she dies or she's dying. Um, but upon her death, the demonic spirit disappears and that's the end of the movie. Um, what? It just yeah. disappears? Well, because the, the demonic present had had uh, attached to her. So without there being a new, um, what's the word? Like oh. a new body, a new, a new body to, to be connected to, it goes away. Oh, like a tapeworm. Yeah, kind of like a tapeworm, like a parasite. Um, <laughs> Speaking of tapeworm. But, um, so yeah, in, and then, like, so this is, this is based on an actual true story because in the police report, they, they, claim demonic possession as the reason for the call and the reason for the death. Yeah, so that was another one I've seen. I've watched it before. Um, really good movie. Uh, the first time I watched it, I, I, I wanted to give it five stars, but my biggest issue was the music with it. I feel like in the scary, in the like scarier scenes, the music they had playing didn't fit the, the style well, but this time it didn't bother me. Um, I give it four stars. Good movie. 
it's a good uh, foreign horror type of movie. Uh, both Incantation and Veronica are in not in English. You have to read and watch them uh, subtitled. But really good movies, and I really enjoyed them. So that's all I got. Uh, let me go back real quick to Blonde, just so you know. Uh, I gave it half a star on Letterboxd. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, all right, so I guess I got one, two, three-ish. I got three to talk about real quick. Let me start with the one that I have the least to say about. Uh, I ended up watching Hocus Pocus 2. Um, real quick before yeah. you start. Hey, Lydia. This is Brad. Oh, he chunky. <clears throat> he a fat boy. Say hi, Fred. Very good. Oh, okay, bye. It was too political, Fred. Uh, anyway, so I I sat down and I watched Hocus Pocus 2. Um, I gave it that two stars on Letterboxd. I gave it two stars on Letterboxd. Uh, it has more enjo- it has a more enjoyable story than the first movie did, but honestly, these movies just aren't for me. Both feel overhyped, and the second one feels really like it should have happened way earlier than it did. The only reason I can see this movie being made today is A, a bigger budget, and B, better effects. Also, I don't need two musical scenes. They did two musical glee moments, as I like to call them. And uh, they're just like, no, this is dumb. Um, So go ahead and internet, cancel me, because I don't like your beloved witch movie, but you know what? It's not a good movie. I don't even like the first one. Sarah Jessica Parker looks like a horse. The first, the first one is cancel that. Like, I re, I rewatched the first one before I watched the second one, and like, it it grows on you a little bit the more you watch it. But I don't I mean, know. I just no reason to have such a fan base. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I I I'm not bash. I'm not trying to bash anyone that does like it. Like, if you like it, cool. That's for you. It's just not my cup of tea. But I also don't feel like me saying, hey, I do not like this movie should get reactions of like, I'm going to fucking kill you because you don't like this movie. And that's what the fan base seems to be like to me. And it's just like, chill. It's just a movie. Like, you didn't even make the movie, you know? Um, The next movie I got to talk about real quick is Rob Zombie's The Monsters. Um, I kind of wanted to watch this. Why didn't you? Cole, you would absolutely... I, I think Cole would absolutely love this movie. I really do. It's cartoonish. Not like... As in like... A, it, it just has like a cartoonish vibe to it. It kind of does, to me, feel a little... Live-action Scooby-Doo-ish as well. I was going to say, on, one, on, a, on a level from one to Scooby-Doo, how zoinky is it? It's it's pretty zoinky, dude. Like... Okay. Uh, do you want to watch that when we get done with this? What Scooby Doo? No monsters. Oh no. <laughs> um, it if you don't know, the monsters is an old '60s black and white. I've heard of it vaguely, and bum, 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 for the audience, bum, bum, bum. for the audience, uh, it's she old is the 60s audience. black and white. I I guess you could call that a procedural, or a sitcom. Uh, um. Yeah, sitcom. It was a sitcom. 
<clears throat> so I, I will 100% admit that like before I watch this, there is a little bit of a bias biases here. And that is the fact that like, in my personal opinion, Rob Zombie has two good films to his name and the rest are absolute dog shit. Um, and that'd be Halloween one and two, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, 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 fuck that. No, you know, you know damn well it's not that. <laughs> it's, uh, it is um Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses. And honestly, he tried to remake, or he didn't remake, but he uh made a sequel to Devil's Rejects called Three from Hell. And apparently it's just not good. Like, and I, I don't understand I haven't seen it yet, and I keep meaning to watch it. But for me, I'm just like, how are you going to make a sequel to a movie that literally has the most perfect ending ever? Like, your your bad guys or your basically your main characters of the entire movie are literally driving towards their death and getting shot out to Freebird. Like, that's badass as hell. And you're going to come back in a few years and be like, hey, guys, they're still alive and we're making another movie here. Like, eh. Correct me, my personal, because I'm pretty sure I'm wrong. Did he make a movie called 31? Yes, the, I, that's when they first released like the poster for it. I thought it was gonna be uh sequel. That's what I thought was gonna be the sequel to like Devil's Rejects or something. Uh-huh. But then he made Three from Hell after Thirty One. What was Thirty One? I haven't. About it? Uh, basically, people dying in a haunted house, okay. like a, a like a haunted house attraction. Okay, is what I think it was. Um, again, it's one I never because I don't like Rob Zombie. He, like I said, he has the two good films. Those, so I still want to watch Lord of Salem because Lord of Salem, the concept of that one sounds pretty fun, like right up my alley. Let me ask you this Do you like Sherry Moon Zombie as an actress? Not bad. I don't watch, I, I haven't seen Rob Zombie movies enough to have a true because I she's guess, 100% on the character in. Lord of Salem, if you cannot stand her acting like I can't, because he it's favoritism at the point. It's just ugh. uh anyway. So for Letterbox, I gave the Monsters two and a half stars. You know, I um You're frozen the entire time to me, so I don't know what the hell you said. Okay, whatever. It's and I was just talking go. to try to help you out. Oh, maybe it's me, because now it says my internet connection's unstable. You're unstable, Joe. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Monsters, I gave two and a half stars on Letterboxd. Um, I went into this movie fully expecting it to suck and not like it at all. In my opinion, Rob Zombie hasn't made a decent movie since The Devil's Rejects. That being said, it it wasn't outright terrible. It wasn't great either, though. What is essentially a love letter from Rob Zombie to the 60s that is honestly mostly boring due to the lack of consistent plot and acting. The movie, which is an origin story, sets up ideas, uh, goes to something else, comes back, and then just ends. It's, it's, um, I believe the monsters live in like 666 Mockingbird Lane or something like that. Like, (laughs) they, like, they're, oh yeah. They're, no, 1313 Mockingbird Lane. Sorry. Um, so essentially the movie is that. The movie is Herman meeting Lily, them getting together, and then then moving to thirteen thirteen Mockingbird Lane. I'm sorry, that sounds very boring. Um, it's hor- like it's just horribly acted. It looks 
cheesy as hell. But I, I think that's also kind of the point because like I said, it's kind of a love letter to the 60s. Um, it had some the 60s fun was moments. cheesy as hell. So. Uh, it had some fun moments, a few laughs, and the color grading of the film is impressive. I really, like, like I said, it felt cartoonish. It felt like you were watching a cartoon, but it just was live action. Like, that's what the color grading of the movie looked like. It was very fun. Um, but overall, I think the acting was... And just general kitschiness of it is ultimate is its ultimate downfall, as well as some odd editing choices and CG effects that don't make sense. Uh, the movie clocks in at one hour and forty nine minutes, oh, which I feel is a little too long. However, I think Rob Zombie, knowing he wanted to put this movie straight to Netflix, should have maybe turned it into a limited limited episodic event, and it would have played out a little bit better. Like there's a there is a world where that movie could be split up to about probably like six episodes or so thrown on Netflix, and I think it would work perfectly fine. The first episode could have been Herman meets Lily. The second episode could have been their first date. The third episode could have been Herman meets Lily's dad. The fourth episode is their uncle stealing their money. The fifth episode is them getting their money back, and the sixth episode is them moving to their house. Boom. You got yourself a limited event right there. It would have worked better than an hour and four, almost two hours of what we got. I'm not, like I said, it's not great. It's not bad either. I could see some people enjoying it. And I not going to, like I said, I'm not going to bash you for enjoying it. Like if you enjoy what you enjoy, do so. And that's my whole philosophy with like reviewing movies too, to be honest, is like, I know like Cole gives me shit all the time about not liking Godzilla versus Kong. But here's the thing. If you go back and listen to that episode of us, I do compliment certain things about that movie because I truly feel like even if a movie is like, look, let's be real here. People, and this is ironic coming from a podcast like us, but people who review movies, especially like hot, bigger name people that review movies are literally just nerds that get paid to do so. You know what I mean? So if there's also they tend to have biases towards something like whether it's good or bad if it's bad they're going to tell you how bad it is and not tell you a single good thing if it's good they're going to tell you every good thing about it and not tell you a single bad thing you know what i mean whereas i feel like us as a podcast we do a pretty maybe it's just because we're movie fans and not like super well we are super nerds but like i don't know i feel like we can all look at something objectively even if we don't like the person making it or something like that and be like, you know what? I didn't like this movie, but the color grading of it was good. The cinematography of it was good. The soundtrack to it was good. Overall, the movie wasn't great, but there are some good things about it. And that's what I felt like when I was watching this movie. It was like, there's, I know people that will enjoy it. Great. Let them enjoy it. But for me, it's just, I could see a different way of making it. And I'm just also not a huge Rob Zombie fan. And I'll, I'll happily admit that, like, that's part of the reason why I didn't like it. Is because I knew it was a Rob Zombie thing, but I still went out of my way to check it out. You know, um, the last one that I have to talk about, and then we can move on to the big movie, is uh, a movie called My Best Friend's Exorcism. It is based off of a book by Grady Hendrix of the same name. To tell you the story of the book real quick, because. I think it's a better story anyway. Um, two friends 
from the different sides of the tracks. One's super rich, one's not rich at all. They go to, a, I think they go to a Catholic school is what you kind of get implied to. Um, they start experimenting with drugs. They do acid one night with their friends. Um, what Everyone has kind of like a, oh, I didn't feel anything trip. And then one of them gets possessed by a demon. Um, My kind of night. So the, what? My kind of night. <laughs> so, uh, the demon starts taking over this, the popular girl, you know, it turns her like grungy for a while. And then all of a sudden it snaps back and she's all pretty and popular again. But the best friend that is the poor girl is like, I know something's wrong with you. And they start fighting and they don't have a good friendship for a while. And then this dude visits their school dude to do like a, a assembly with their, his brothers where they're basically powerlifting for Jesus. Like, like in um, Righteous Gemstones. How many chairs like, are they lifting? What? How many chairs are they lifting? No, it's literally like Righteous Gemstones, dude, where like they have them lift like the giant cross. Oh, God. That's what they're doing. <laughs> um, Fuck yeah. So one guy's like talking about like, I can see the darkness in you. And he like specifically points out the rich girl. And then like the poor girl's like, oh my God, he can see the demon too. And no one will believe me. So I'm going to talk to him about the demon. And so then he, he, she convinces him to perform an exorcist on him and it doesn't go well at all. Um, Cause he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> Literally at one point he just leaves. He just yeets himself out of there. He's like, I'm gone. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to go get my dad and never comes back. Yeah. Um they think that like she they think that the friend kidnapped the other friend so they put her in jail and then he comes out of like hiding and goes i did everything and so he takes the blame for it all and all this um and like the book really does tell a story about like two friends that kind of like are so pretty much in love with each other that like they'll do anything to like make sure that the other one's okay and i feel like the movie doesn't do that at all. The movie's just like, hey, let's make a movie about a possession. And then kind of make let's make a movie that's basically Stranger Things with a possession. Cool. Because the book does take place in the 80s. And every book, every chapter in the book is named, is a like uh, the title of the chapters are 80s songs. Like, I think we're alone now. You know, Raspberry Barrette, all this. Um, and that's the one thing I like about Grady Hendrix's writing is he has another book that I read that is also getting turned into, I think, a TV series. I think it would work better as a TV series, at least. But uh, it's called um, The Final Girl Support Group. And it's about, like, final girls of slasher movies going to a support group. But, like, they're not, it's not like, oh, that, it's not like, hi, I'm Laurie Strode and I'm Sydney Prescott. It's like, hi, my name's like Carol and this is my background. And you're like, oh, so she's supposed to be the Laurie Strode type person. She's supposed to be the Sydney Prescott type person, the Sally from Texas Chainsaw type person. And so all the chapter names in that book were different slasher movie sequel names. Like once they got to chapter 10, they called it the final girl support group X, Jason X, things like that. So it's cool. Um, so for my best friend's exorcism, I gave you three stars. I said, I liked it. They did what they could in the confines of what they had to work with as far as production slash adapting goes. 
Some of the changes were good, some were not. But I'm glad I read the book first. I had, if I had seen the movie first, I'm not sure I'd seek out the book. Uh, not out of disappointment, but more out of lack of interest. The book's ending is way better, and the movie doesn't truly capture what the whole story slash plot of the book is truly about. It kind of tried to be too Stranger Things esque, in my opinion. But hey, if you'd like a movie, if you'd like to see a movie that's basically Stranger Things mixed with Heather's or Mean Girls, then this movie's for you. And again, I see people that could like that movie. I see people that don't like that movie. Me personally, reading the book first before I watched it, I don't like it. But I don't not like, I like, it's okay. Um, You just don't like the the uh oh, what's the damn word i'll forgive me words tonight anyway the you don't like the movie version of the book anymore or the adaptation yes adaptation god damn it i can't remember words tonight the movie adaptation is not as good as you want it to be and of course the book is always better exactly very good and then we can move on to Dr. lydia's Hello. news lydia what do you got what's your review this week what'd you watch yeah did you watch anything cool that Oh, wait, 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 we didn't talk about it, and it's perfect, because we're talking about spooky movies. Werewolf by Night, what'd you guys think? I really dug it. It was cool. Is it? By you, Lydia. What uh, did you think, Lydia? Episodic, or is it just the one hour? Yeah, what was I doing? Oh, I was playing. What do you do around here? Yeah, it's just like the one hour special. It wasn't, uh, it was the one hour special. Did you watch it, Joe? No, but I'm trying to figure out what what does Lydia do around here, because on the application, she does say she's very organized and does watch things. Did you fill out an application? No. It was a joke. Well, somebody did. Um, <laughs> can I, Joe? I'm gonna ask for a spoiler real quick. So if you don't, yes, sir. Go ahead. Blade is he in it? I know they canceled the movie, but is he in it? No, he is not. However, okay. oh no, I don't want to. However, that, that, I don't want to. However, question. that's, that's, that's the only all question. I Cole. Know. Now okay. I'm not gonna watch the it. The question he asked was: Is Blade in it or not? No, nothing else. Okay. I don't need a six-hour explanation about Man Thing being in it. Oh, that's all I was gonna say is Man Thing. Oh, is Man Thing in it? Yeah, yes, he is, he is oh, man. man. Yes. Thing. I think they show that in the trailer, though. Don't yeah, they? he's in the that's trailer briefly. He's in it a lot more. He's in it a little bit more than I thought he would be. I thought it was just gonna be a cameo, but he has. What's interesting to me? What's interesting to me that kind of makes me do want to check it out that I keep hearing people talk about is the guy who directed it is a composer. Yeah, Michael. Uh, I can't say his name for the Giacchino. I think so. So it's just yeah, like, yeah. look, I know, I know Giacchino. Carpenter is considered a composer too, but he did the movie before he did the score. So to go from doing like composing Sports to movie. a movie, it, it's gotta be like, that's kind of a cool thing. Like I bet he directed it as if he was writing a composition. Let's see what he's composed. Ooh. You're going to like what he's composed. He's composed Bach remix. <laughs> um. Anyway, so yeah, I just, do you do you think they knew ahead of time that they weren't going to go ahead with Blade for a while, so that's why they didn't put him in it? I don't know. Because he's been Eternal. It just seems weird Wait. to Eternals. Yeah. What? Oh, Eternals. I thought you said the Turtles. 
Did you see what he's what he's composed, Cole? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's done. He's done pretty much everything. What's Mission, he composed? Because I don't know. Uh, Mission know from the Batman. Star Trek in the Darkness. Cars the Batman. Star Trek. Uh, he did the Jurassic World. World stuff. Inside Out, Up, Doctor Strange, Rogue One. I thought Jerry Goldsmith did. Spider Man, uh, Coco, mm-hmm. Incredible Two. Pretty much any major. Uh, Jojo John Rabbit. Will- John Williams did um, Jurassic Park and stuff like that. No, 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 no. Michael Jerry did. Goldsmith. What are you talking about? In, in American Jerry Goldsmith. Pickle, He's a composer, American Pickle. Yeah, I know who he is, but what are you talking about? Anymore. I thought he did the Jurassic Park stuff. No, John Williams did. Oh, okay. Have you ever seen Jojo Rabbit, by the way, Cole? No, but I really want to. Weren't you and I just talking about that the other day? Because we were talking about Springtime for Hitler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I want to watch. I want to watch Jojo Rabbit. I saw Jojo Rabbit in theaters, and I made my mom watch it afterwards. And my mom was like, "What the fuck are you making me watch?" I like Jojo Rabbit. But like, I heard it was very good. I heard we should do a double good. feature on um, on Nazi movies and watching Glorious Bastards and Jojo Rabbit. I don't know if we can say that, Joe. What this whole Anti- episode okay. World War Two movies, anti Nazism movies. World War II movies. That's the best way to put it. Don't wait, wait. we don't need to use that word in this let's podcast. Watch, let's watch Tarantino and Wes Anderson talk this, about Hitler. This whole episode is one long bleep. <laughs> um, so let's get to the let's get to the beef. Okay, let's fix oh, this, this real quick. Hang on, let me fix this. Real Where's quick. the beef? Fuck Nazis. Anyway, is that better? Oh. yes, that's fine. I'll okay. keep that. Uh, I'll probably put that in the beginning too. Um, <laughs> very good. Should I say clearly more louder? Like, no, wow. it works fine. I can. Okay, can, you can you put can you put the bell sound effect after he says that? Bong. I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna do like some like blast beats like. Fuck Nazis! Fuck Nazis! <laughs> put in a breakdown. Bong. Like let's go. Um, So the main movie we're talking about tonight is Halloween Ends, and I'd like to introduce our star of the show tonight, uh, Brady, which will be taking over from here and giving us his top 15 Halloween movies. No, and then his you top, guys, I told you, I'm going last. You guys go ahead and start. His top on. 24 John Carpenter uh, compositions as well. <laughs> Cole, go ahead, Cole. Oh, what do I have I'm actually, I'm actually really interested because I didn't like, because Cole doesn't like you... to... First of all, Cole doesn't like to read the chat, or he does and responds and forgets he responds, or Cole just blatantly ignores things that we ask him to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I told him, hey, can you go ahead and put your Halloween reviews in Letterboxd so I can read it, because I wanted to see it. Also, we didn't think he was going to be on this episode, so that's why we needed it up there, too. And he never did. So, Cole, can you tell me what you thought of Halloween, since I haven't got to hear anything about it? From you, right. Halloween, the one we just watched. Yes, I still want to hear yes. what's the new. Yes, you too, Lydia. You too, because I you. yeah, yeah, yeah. first. Okay, so <clears throat> I want to preface this by saying, uh, before the 2018 reboot came out, I didn't give a shit about Halloween. I okay, I didn't give a shit about horror movies in general. Wasn't my thing. I was a little chicken shit. I still am, um, but it. The reboot, you know, I went to see it with a friend of mine, 
it kind of opened my eyes a little bit. I'm like, okay, maybe I can wa- watch some of this stuff. I just gotta, you know, pick pick the right stuff and watch the right stuff. Um, I liked, you know, so that first reboot in 2018, cool. I liked it. I liked what they were going with it. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm work with this. Uh, Halloween Kills again, liked it. I wasn't as good. But I'm like, yeah, this this is solid. Um, then we get to Halloween Ends. This is somehow both the most clever movie I've seen this year and the stupidest fucking movie I've seen this year. I, because I spent half the movie scratching my head. I'm like, where are they going with? Because the whole time, you know, this Corey, this Corey kid, they're focusing on him and his like turn to, you know, he's being picked on, you know, the tip, stereotypical movie bullies. One night he's being picked on the whole time. They're not stereotypical. They're band geeks. That's not stereotypical for a no, 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 no. I feel like one of them. Well, okay. Here was an issue I had. The costume, the band costume, was so ugly. I thought she was just wearing it like as a Halloween costume. I was spot on. She was a band nerd. Oh, all, she was actually. All, hello. All of yeah. them except all of them except the girl they called Margot was a band nerd. Really? She was just like one of their friends. Yeah, because they all had like the marching like overalls yeah. on. Real quick, uh, as a tell. as a verified band geek, um, yeah, you bully kids like really? No, those uniforms are fuck ugly, but spot on for a small town marching yeah. band. No, and okay. two, band, I, I don't know. Band geeks are they... not like that. I was offended that these motherfuckers were bullies. I wanted to kick their ass. Can I just say? Yeah, can I just say they they filmed this movie here in georgia it's supposed to take place in illinois and the main bully is like i didn't push him gay i had a fucking like, new york why accent. did he sound jersey I his, expected him Corey's to be some mom Timberlands. did too by the way <laughs> she's like no custard i was like what is this so fucking rough but uh no going back to so i spent at first i was wondering where the hell michael was but then as it went on i was kind of like I get. I don't want to say I forgot about Michael, but I was kind of. I got intrigued by where they were going with the whole Corey part of this, and it took me a while to figure out what the angle was, and the way I interpret it is, and this is gonna probably sound stupid, evil, evil, evil is kind of like an infection, you know. You, let's say you get picked on a lot. You you know you at some point. It's gonna fuckle you so hard that you you just want to lash out, and I feel like that's kind of where they went with the Corey character. Um, I don't, I still don't know how the, how I feel about him kind of working with Michael. The vibe I got from it it reminded me of the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie where the British were controlling Davy Jones, and that shit pissed me off. Uh, so I got similar vibes to that from this. And that's kind of whatever to me, but overall, I don't think it's the strongest ending. However, I think it was the right choice, at least the way Michael ended up. And the I wish the final battle could have gone on a little bit longer. But I, I liked I liked the final battle, I liked the final confrontation between him and Laurie. Um I look. I honestly love the whole town there to watch his demise. I was like, okay, that's fucking awesome. But yeah, overall, I enjoyed this. It it was fun. 
I know Lydia. What do you? What do you? What did Lydia think? Because I know in the All chat right. she said she didn't. It like was it. pretty but, sucky. But to be fair, you haven't seen the other ones, have you? I've never seen a single one. The only thing I know about this movie series is that his mask is of William Shatner, who I don't I'm, know who that is either. Oh. I'm really proud of you for knowing that actually, because I feel I'm like sorry. Did you wait? Repeat did you that last you don't line. Know who William Shatner is? I never watched Star Trek. But you know who William Shatner is. Hang on, I'm gonna like outside of Star Trek. Here, right? One second. He was in Star Trek, and like okay, that that's fair. That's fair. That's couple, like Travago technically, special. technically, yes, the mask is of William Shatner, but specifically, it is William Shatner as Captain Kirk. Yeah, it was yeah, from sure, that guy. It was from Star Trek. To, the red guy, right? It was from Star Trek too, right? He was. I don't know. Bull. No, it was literally just a Captain Kirk mask. It wasn't from specific anything. It was literally just a Captain Kirk mask that they found at like a dollar store and spray painted white. Lydia, what's your last name? What? What's your last name? Don't make her give this information out on the podcast. Dumbass. Okay, bleep it out later. Anyway, well, Matt, no. I want you to know this interview is not going very well. Your application is a fucking lie. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, Doesn't don't you know, know. resume? Resume yeah, is French company. for things I update my lies on. Doesn't know who William Shatner is. No, she knows that he was in something Trek, wrong with that seen... with that sentence. How the fuck did I get on this podcast then? If she because I shit. I'm anyway, not... you're so brought on by going back sympathy. Going back, uh, so it, but it is fair to say that like you didn't like it mainly because you might not have known what was going on. Would you say that's fair to say? No, like, no. Well, yeah, but like also, also, first of all, the kid in the beginning pissed me off. So annoying when he went pew. I was like, yeah. Um, I think everyone was like, yeah. I think that yeah. kid. Yeah. I think that kid's the oh, the second kid I've I wanted to see die so bad right behind Joffrey from Game of Thrones. My theater cheered when the kid fucking died because he was so annoying. <laughs> and then there was he, a time skip. He didn't just like, die. I don't know how long this time skip was? Four, and then four years. Like, oh, she says was... it. Four years. Oh. Okay, I was a little confused on that. They, yeah, because they don't. I think I, I think I missed just hear her, her saying it. Yeah, they say it, but like, there's not a thing that says, "Oh, four years later." They just well, they here's just the cut. here's the one thing. Four years later thing. Yeah, exactly. Here, well, it, here's it, the weird thing about it. It's technically because the opening scene takes place in Halloween 2019. Yeah, but when Lori starts narrating, she says it's been four years since the last time we've seen Michael. So the time skip between when Corey killed the kid and then when he's riding around on his bicycle going to work is probably like, I want to say two to three years because it's supposed to take place in 2022. So the last time we see Corey is 2019. So twenty, it's supposed to take place like as today kind of deal. Um, but ultimately between the last time they saw Michael in Halloween Kills, which takes place in 2018, even though it was released in 2021, is four years. Oh, uh, what else were you gonna say though? Uh, Do you have anything else? Oh, so when he was switching from like the nerdy little bully guy, which first of all, how could he not stand up to four high schoolers? Come on, man. Like I'm and a, he even got his glasses <laughs> broken. Like I'm gonna chalk it up to he's 21 and they're minors still, so he's not trying to catch a, another. He's 
on his little bike. He could have just pedaled away, like, bye-bye. But they're also on a LeBaron. Kids, don't do, don't drink underage. And instead, they, it was like watching, like, people get his lunch money, except they didn't rob him, which they really should. You know what it felt like? It felt like I was watching a Stephen King movie. Where the because the boys run the town in those movies. Never seen Stephen King shows. Jesus Christ! What? I don't do horror. That, that's fair. So yeah. Anyway, and what then else he goes have? from that to like killing people, and that's a very sudden switch. So when he was like, "Oh, the evil is spreading," that just made it seem like it was supernatural vibes, which I was not vibing with because I was like, "This is not a supernatural movie." But then at the end, technically it is. Te- technically, what do you mean technically? Technically well, it is. They've tried killing him, and he wouldn't die, so it kind of puts him in the supernatural realm. Yeah, I got that at the end when they like stabbed him in the neck, and there was no blood squirting out. I'm like, if you stab someone right in one of those, you know, big vein arteries. I mean, he was bleeding on the table. Yeah, but it wasn't like a big like spray everywhere because that's spraying. not what would happen that's not how that's not how the human body works if you slit someone's throat that's not what it really looks uh, like it is in movies movies <laughs> uh anyway any hoosiers any other things uh if you if you if you had to give it they should have killed one... the granddaughter she was annoying um, if you had to give it between no and five stars, what would you give it? Uh, I guess a one. Nothing's truly deserving of a zero, except maybe cars. Clearly, you haven't seen Laser Team. Yeah. You leave Laser Team out of this. Shut up. I do want to I do do want to say uh thank you for actually like sitting down with Cole and watching because I know horror is not your thing. And we kind of were just like, hey, come on the show. I was expecting like a jump scare. Okay. I I do want to say this before Joe Joe starts talking. Uh, It's funny that A, Cole says that it reminded him of Stephen King something. And it's funny that B, you said, uh, hey, it's a supernatural thing. Because David Gordon Green actually walked up to John Carpenter during production of this film. The director uh, walked up to, to the original creator of the Halloween franchise and said hey uh just so you know we're gonna use christine which is one another john carpenter movie as a big inspiration for this movie and essentially christine is about a car that kills people because it's possessed like Corey is so instead of a car Corey is the person that is doing the killing um so christine is a stephen king book that was adapted to a movie directed by john carpenter so it's funny that you both picked up on that. I didn't without know actually having really without actually know. having to know that. Um, oh. Go ahead. The thing I don't like, I've just realized this when you're all saying Corey, is I don't like the name Corey. <laughs> what does that have to do with it? Because all I can think of is Corey in the house. Jesus I think of like Christ. Corey Matthews from Boy Meets World. What well, a okay. connection and what a bad connection. You Disney kids are really the fucking worst. 
I never watched Corey in the house, by the way. Doesn't <laughs> matter. So the rainy. fact that you made the connection to that because you have never seen it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, think, I think Cole had a stroke. But no, like I, I do. I as two people that like a don't watch a lot of horror, and b don't know like in depth stuff like I do. I do think it's cool that you guys picked up on the whole supernatural Stephen King vibe because that's exactly kind of what they were going for. Uh, I'll blow your mind a little, a little bit with some of the things that I got to talk about, but I want to hear what Joe says because I haven't heard Joe talk about Joe. I asked Joe yesterday what he thought, and he said he's still processing. Um, so, Joe, uh, off the top, I did like this movie, but it's uh, nothing what I expected, and I can see why fans <clears throat> were very let down. But me, since I didn't really, since I don't really give a shit about this franchise, and I don't mean that in a mad way, I mean it in the sense that I'm not a diehard fan of this franchise the way Brady is. I thought it was a good roundabout or a good ending to the trilogy. Um, what I expected going into this movie was a full-on war between the between the town and and Michael, because the way they set up Halloween ends. I figured they'd be still kind of fuming over everything that happened, and they all realized that Michael Myers has returned. That it was going to be uh, four years later, and the town basically living on edge with Laurie being the leader, essentially, and preparing everyone for the day that he does return. That's what I expected, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought that's that's how they led everything up to. Everyone was at their boiling point at the end of Kills. Um, so when the movie started and we were looking at uh, focusing on another character, Corey, and uh, he accidentally kills the kid, and you know, goes. No, he does didn't do that on accident. That was completely on purpose, and I support that decision. Subconsciously. Subconsciously. <laughs> Anyway, that kid bounced. By the way, did you guys notice that? Yeah, that he bounced. Because like, he he fell back. When when he fell back, he's falling backwards. So like the back of his head should have hit. He literally went, yeah. and I was like, oh damn! Because um, when they showed like the upper shot, he's on his face. I'm like, how did he do that? Like, did he do a 360 there or something? No, he came back, and they show him go bloop bloop, and I was like, yeah. oh. Um, to touch on that real quick, you know what that scene reminded me of. Uh, did you ever watch Quarantine? Like I was talking about earlier. Time you mentioned this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, because that was right after Cloverfield, and I was like, yeah, "Why yeah, are yeah, they yeah. ripping off Cloverfield?" Like, um, well, in 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 Quarantine, they're they're showing like the day in the life of a of a fire fire department, and they're they're going out to a call, and it's a disturbance at a at apartment complex. Well, somebody falls from the top floor like over the staircase railing and they come straight down and like land on their feet, but fucking snap their ankle just, and the bones just sticking out and they just plop to the ground dead. That Like that's the same vibe it gave me. I was like, Oh, this is nice. Wait, wait, wait. They broke their ankles and then they died. Well, they broke their ankle coming down from the force. Uh-huh. And then when they hit the ground, busted their head open. Die. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. a pretty shit way to die. Yeah. Well, um, but that's what that's what I, I, I would have gone head first. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
So going on to this character, yeah, I, I, I didn't like that he, you know, he accidentally killed a kid. I get it. But I was like, okay, why are you introducing me to this, to this uh, new character? What's what the what's the premise with him? And I'm kind of right there with, uh, with Cole. It gave me Stephen King vibes because I felt like yes, we know these other characters already, but I felt like every, like every like reintroduction of each one of them it was awkward like it kind of gave me like the way like you know Stephen King movies aren't that great greatly written um and they're just kind of like when the sheriff showed up back in the grocery store and is talking to Lori it just seemed kind of weird and he's just like cherry you know, blossoms yeah cherry <laughs> blossoms are they flirting Huh? There's a yes. there, yeah because they were kind of flirting in Halloween Kills as well yeah they they um so to give you a little history lesson real quick uh in 1978 Laurie Strode is a teenager she's a babysitter all this uh, Michael Myers attacks her things like that uh, they mention a character in that movie named Ben Tramer that she has the hots for but she's too shy to ask out is that and, him no in Halloween in what we find out in Halloween Kills is that uh the sheriff or the guy the guy that she was talking to in the grocery store he was sheriff at one point um or just a cop or something like that uh he was actually the pursuer of michael the night of halloween 1978 after all the murders um and he was there to help capture him um and so they talk about that and how that's they show that in Halloween Kills through flashbacks. And then he kind of confesses his love for Lori. He was like, you know, I always liked you. I know we went on a couple dates and stuff like that, but I've always liked you. But I always knew that you were secretly in love with the Ben Tramer. Um, so that was a way for like them to call back something for the fans, but but also kind of giving a backstory in a way to Lori, because other than like hey, some shit happened to her in 1978 on Halloween. We don't really know much about like who her granddaughter's mom, like who her husband was or anything like that. So theoretically, like fans can assume, oh, it was Ben Tramer and that's who she had a kid with. And that's, so Ben Tramer would be her ex-husband and things like that. But like, they don't really give up. All we literally know about Laurie Strode is that Michael Myers attacked her in 1978. That's all we know. Um, Wait, was she like anyway. a minor character in the first? No, she was like the main character. She's the main character. Uh-huh. She's the reason why we have the term final girl. Because she was the final surviving female. Because most horror protagonists are females. But she was the final surviving person of Halloween. She so was they the coined the term final girl. Anyway, go on, Joe. Sorry. Um, where was I? Yeah. So, okay. So, like I said, I didn't like how they kind of reintroduced the characters because I feel like the the like the story they were trying to build was a little bit bit blocky. Um, but the what do you just, what do you mean by blocky? Real quick, just so I can understand. Like, like I was saying, like he like the sheriff, like the cop showing back up, and he's just like, "Hey, how's it going?" He didn't do anything, by the way. Yeah, he didn't do much. Flirt, and then he came back at the very end to flirt again. I I think it's it's more so uh, just them living normal lives now because now Lori 
is over the fact that you know michael's kind of gone so she's living like you know a life i i kind of see it as like as if she she's kind of gone sober in a sense because like she's or like no longer most of that movie yeah yeah (laughs) but like no longer addicted to something that you know kind of keeps her going she's clean of it and so she's living that you know that that like i'm trying to be better for myself and stuff like that kind of life and i think he might be a little like on it like not on it but like cautious about how to talk to her and stuff like that trying to make her feel like everything's normal everything's fine but like just it's just the way they conversed i see what you're saying kind of odd i see what you're saying but i think the reason why he kind of seems almost taken out of it compared to Lori is because whenever because they show that like montage of like it's been four years yeah yeah, and people are still dying but michael's not doing it it's just like it's infected the town every time they showed a death he was there to help investigate it yeah something maybe he's because i feel like he was he was i but i also feel like he's trying to in a way protect Lori from it still be like look i know this is still happening but clearly he's not showing up it's not him and you seem to be kind of like getting on with your life you have a new house you're in society instead of a recluse you live with your granddaughter your daughter died so i i know i'm in it so i don't want to like push you into it even though Lori herself is still driving around these murders being like well let me look at it real quick you know what i mean yeah and so i think maybe it was just that he was you know a little hesitant on how to approach her but still want to be friendly and stuff like that it could have been that um but overall like i said i i was confused on why we were getting so much of this of uh, of Corey, and i was like i don't understand what's happening here and then when they finally like introduced like because he was getting picked on by by the high schoolers which i thought was total bullshit um and then just like the also like the love connection between him and the granddaughter just seemed kind of forced because like that was way too sudden yeah like laurie yes i get laurie was trying to like show him off to the granddaughter but she was like no I'm not gonna date him and all of a sudden it's like hey so we're going out hey we're a thing now it, it just it was very like kind of rushed and stuff like that and i'm like i feel like it's been like a couple of days and they're talking about moving away together and stuff like that it's fucking weird uh but whatever yeah, was supernatural stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like oh good idea Ooh. and so i was like okay like he keeps getting like he's getting a little bit more and more edgier like what's what's going <laughs> on here and then they finally introduce michael and 40 40 minutes in okay i have a question because he told me that he only goes after babysitters why is he dragging people into the like sewage pipes he doesn't only go after babysitters he doesn't only go after babysitters oh well i thought okay. no, that was his whole mo i don't oh god damn it oh <laughs> Can we hold on? Let's let's anyway. go back. Hold on, hold on. No, I'm tired let's of you interrupting interrupt me. Let's go back to Halloween Kills real quick. What? Okay. When when he when he killed the old couple, were they babysitting? Okay, no, never. Forget what I. What about the couple anyway, that lived in back his house? Joe. Yeah. What about what about Big and Little John, the two best characters of Halloween Kills? <laughs> you mean the best part of Halloween Kills? That's what he but, but just were they, said. Were, <laughs> Jesus fucking. But were they babysitting? All right, shut up. I'm not done here. All right, Joe, finish. So when they, when you finally, we finally see Michael, and I was like, okay, why didn't he kill this guy? 
and I was like, why is it going to go? But I finally realized, oh, so my thing was I figured they that Michael was letting this guy survive because Michael's on his last leg here and he needs someone to kill some people to kind of get re-energized. So I figured Michael kind of cursed him. That's why we see the flashback in his eyes of everything happening. And then kind of like, hey, go. He basically infected him to become cursed like him to get kills to kind of bring the energy back toward him and bring a body back so so Michael can kill somebody and get energized. I figured Michael didn't have the strength to leave the sewer until he brought a body and killed because you can kind of see when he killed um, the cop that he kind of like his body kind of straightens up, kind of feels like he's being like just a shimmy. Yeah, kind of a shimmy like, all right, dad is back. You know, I'm ready to go. Why didn't he ever just kill that hobo living outside? Because they were chill. He didn't tell where where Michael was and Michael didn't have to kill him, you know? Yeah, man. What's wrong with hobos? He kept Michael... The, it was also in a weird way kind of a reference to Halloween 5 but anyway save that for your take um, honestly like the movie wasn't bad I can see where people complained about it it like I said, it wasn't what I expected there was very minimal Michael and I did not really care for the ending I felt like if this was supposed to be the end of the fight then they should have given us the fight between Lori and Michael from 2018 Halloween, that should have been the end. Like, if you want to really close out with a bang, that should have been it. But I did like that it kind of came down to them one-on-one, but I feel like it was just kind of like, a, oh, we need to wrap this up, We forget, and we forgot to plan the fight. So, fuck it. We'll just have them duke it out really quickly in the in the uh, the kitchen. It was but, a very fast fight. I thought they there'd be a little more lead-up to it. Yeah. I did like that, you know, when she pinned him down, but his hand got free and she accepted death because she was like, fuck it. If I'm going to kill him and he kills me, that's still like, this is the only way really like I'd, I'd be okay with it. I did like that. But the fact that the granddaughter saved her, I was like, okay, whatever. Um, I also did enjoy them basically like, I know this sounds bad, but putting his death on display, like they carried him out of the town and they put him into the fucking metal grinder. And a procedural. Yeah. But like, I, I, I liked that because it it was like them finally getting rid of the, getting rid of their demon for good, not just Lori, but the entire what? town, the entire town. But what? Okay, okay, it was very like, ooh, this is very like, I don't know, not symbolic. It's, it was symbolic. It was this. It was. It was it's it's literally. But when I was like, I was looking, and I was like, this is not how this would work. I, if this was in real life, the FBI would be swooping in and being like, we're taking this body because this was a big fucking criminal. Yeah, but if you know Where was the what, cops this whole time when he was like, but if you he's notice, out there in those woods? They're that's all the right cops, there with him. Yeah, that's the cops literally said that. They're like, hey, this is not how we do it. And the sheriff pulls up and goes, well, that's how we're going to do it tonight. Yeah. All those, basically all those guys on the force were like old dudes who were from that time. The the sheriff in the cowboy hat, he was like new blood there essentially, but he knew like shit, you know. But he was also the sheriff during like arguably the worst parts of Haddonfield's history with the whole yeah. 2018 slayings and all that. Okay, okay, but this guy, Michael Myers, has been killing for so long. Where's like no, the no, FBI no, 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 rolling no. out? No, he so he killed like 
five people in 1978 and then got captured and has been in a sanitarium for 40 years and then he escapes on 20 in 2018 and there was no like big manhunt no well there that's what 2018 is is like it's a bit of a manhunt but they also know where he's going and what he's going to do but the thing is is like there is there is this is the 12th or 13th movie of the entire franchise but the thing is is this this new trilogy that just came out which is halloween 2018 halloween kills and halloween ends literally is just a sequel to the first one that came out in 1978 all All the the others never happened never happened they retconned them and said none of that works lovely all right um so the rapid like said they they murdered him they finished him off cool uh overall i'd give this movie a a three out of five yeah three out of five to me it feels like the weakest out of the out of the trilogy uh that's just my opinion i still think 2018 was the really good one um in my opinion like i said i i wasn't really sure what to expect it i just assumed that they were going into like a full-on war um but like i said i i don't go into the to these movies super hype or whatever i kind of go on pretty pretty blind with it um if this wasn't a movie t- with the with the title halloween in it i think i would have liked it more as its own entity because of the shit with Corey. and like if you take in if you're taking away the whole michael myers part of it i think i would like to you know a bit more but it still probably would have sit around a three because it's not it would just be kind of a weird story arc um Overall, the trilogy, I, I enjoyed the trilogy pretty much. Uh, and I'm also gl- hoping that this is the last time we get a, a reboot of the Halloween series because it's just this is another old fucking series and needs to die already. But they could have dragged it out if they had Corey live and the granddaughter could have picked up that whole obsession of going after the killer vibes. And they didn't do that. I don't know. I was hoping this is the end of it because this is just an. I don't really care for older horror movies like Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason. Too many fucking movies. Let it go already. I think this is a good way to end this character. There's no need for them to do more because you'll ruin the. I'd say you ruined this trilogy by trying to do something again. What more can you fucking do? You had the main character back, you know, the main guy who wrote it, the main character who started it all. What more do you need to do? She's settled her, you know, her differences. He's dead. Let's be gone. And that's my take. Go ahead, Brady. Uh, Tell us why we're all wrong. No, no, because like, honestly, there's three different camps when it comes to this movie. There's fuck you, fuck everything, fuck this movie. If you like it, you're stupid. David Gordon Green is a bitch. There's... This movie's good. I think anybody that doesn't understand it is an idiot. It's going to have a cult following just you watch. And then there's the camp of... I liked it, but I can see why people don't like it. Um... But I'm also willing to hear both sides and have a like a cohesive conversation, like an actual like well thought out conversation. You know what I mean? 
I, I, I find myself being a mix of two and three. This movie's a hundred percent going to have a cult following down the road. hundred percent. I don't think you're, I don't think you're an idiot. If you don't and I explain why Lydia, please hold. I don't think you're an idiot. If you don't understand the movie or anything like that. And I can also see where, so that's where I, you know, that's where I'm in camp two. And I'm also in camp three because I can see where people do have issues with it. I'm not saying it's a perfect film. Um, I've watched it three times now and time two and three, I did find a couple more issues than I found with the first time I watched it. Um, But I'm willing to hear people out and kind of counter argue with them if they make valid points other than movie, no good. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, so let's go through the notes because I have a lot of notes. Um, let's start off with a reference. Uh, the parents, the the mom of the little shithead kid mm-hmm. kept saying, I'm going to get you, which is a reference to Halloween seven, 1978 because Tommy used to say it to Lindsay all the time in a couple scenes. Um, he's going to get you. Tommy used to tell that to Lori all the time with the book about the boogeyman, a.k.a. Michael Myers. This one made my heart really happy because this is not just a cool reference, but a deep cut reference because in 1978, the movie that Lindsay and Tommy are watching on TV before the killings start happening is the fifties version of the thing, which John Carpenter absolutely loves. John Carpenter remade the thing in 1980 something. I I can't remember the exact year right now, but I know it's an eighties movie. I want to say 82 or 83 possibly 85 so the fact that they have this little shithead kid and Corey watching the thing on halloween night is cool but the fact that they were like you know what instead of the 50s thing like they did in 78 let's update it because the kids today would be watching john carpenter's the thing that was 80 what 82 that's what i thought um and I was just like, as soon as I saw that, I like, I legitimately like teared up a little. I was like, oh, because that's the second time they've done something like that. That's like an absolute love letter to John Carpenter. The first time is the, um, in night in 2018, when the, the boy and the dad who discovered the bus are driving in his truck, the song is playing on the radio is it goes i wish we were all alone just the two of us which is a song that Lori sings when she's walking home from school which john carpenter that's not a real song john carpenter wrote those lyrics and told jamie lee curtis to sing it so they didn't i they didn't tell john carpenter they were going to have someone record that little bit as a song to put in 2018 so when they showed him the final product of 2018 and that scene came up he legitimately turned around in the theater and goes I wrote that word. <laughs> so like, it's cool things like that, that I love and like, just absolutely adore that they do for him because without him, you don't get these movies. And the fact that like, they got him back and thank him in little ways like that is really cool. Um, the opening was shocking. The opening was very shocking. I was really not was. expecting that opening. I think it was played out really well because the whole time I'm like, Where's Michael? Where's Michael? Where's Michael? And next thing you know, little kids flying through the air and just like bouncing off the floor and dying. And I'm like, oh, okay. Especially especially the way that like they like they show you the bread knife and they show you that it's gone. 
like it's as if someone took you. And you're like, oh, oh he's going to be in the attic. He's here. And, and you hear like the shuffling sounds like you usually hear and things like that. The hard steps and everything, like the footsteps upstairs. Yeah. Um, The scenes from 78, those were nice to see. Um, And I like specifically nice that they, I like specifically that the one that they highlighted, I think the most was the knitting needle scene where Lori stabs Michael in the neck with the knitting needle, mm-hmm. which they make a reference to, which you, if you look at the side of the neck on the mat, well, not anymore now it's burnt, but on the side of the neck of this version of the mask, it has the hole in it still from where she stabs him. They showed in 2018 at one point, um, but that comes back to play when Michael gets his revenge and finally stabs Lori with the knitting needle during their fight. Um, the house that Lori lives in looks a lot like the house from Halloween four and five um, that Rachel and what would be Lori's daughter in that timeline, Jamie. Um, that's where they live. It, that's what the house looks like to me. I can show you a picture and you'll be like, of them both, like, but I think it I think like it's Big John and Little John's house to me. But I was like, no, like that's not it. That was Michael's old house. I was like, she yeah. wouldn't move into Michael's old house. Mm-hmm. And I know she says she moves into a house, but I'll show you. I'll show you a picture of the Halloween four and five house, and I'll show you a picture of the Halloween ends house. I think it's supposed to be a reference to it. It looked enough like it that I counted as a reference. Um, so then there's the dance, the Halloween party at Lindsay's bar or whatever it is. There is a guy that walks up to Corey Cunningham and he looks like a hobo and he opens his robe and goes, see anything you like? <laughs> and Mark's like, that is none other than Nick Castle himself, the original Michael Myers. And the line that he is saying is what Linda says to Michael Myers when she flashes him his, her boobs and because she thinks it's her boyfriend and goes, see anything you like? Um, and then he goes, holy shit, that's fucking cool. Okay, like, that's pretty cool. Awesome great i i i didn't it didn't click on me for whatever reason the fact that like he said see anything you I, I at first i knew it right away i was like holy shit that's nick castle but it didn't click the line that he said until the second time i watched it i was like oh, he said the line it's like that's a cool reference for me that is a cool reference um, allison is acting very rob zombie halloween to Lori right now and i'm not a fan there's literally a scene that's almost exactly like that scene in Halloween ends where like it's just a Halloween party and it's like dancing and flashing strobing lights and stuff like that and like she's like stupidly drunk is like the whole time and they make Laurie Strode do that in Rob Zombie's Halloween too and I'm just like stop please stop <laughs> um so then we get to the scene um with the bullies, the the scene where they throw Corey over the bridge, and I wrote this, I wrote Halloween or I wrote Haddonfield is a town with a past. You'd think that around or on Halloween of all nights, there would be multiple cops out. So the ideas of bullies basically attempting murder seems kind of dumb to me. Like you're 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 not telling me at some point a cop doesn't roll up on these kids pushing this other kid around and throwing him over a bridge and like hey you stop that like it's it's a town known for mass murders you think there'd be cops around you know what i mean 
It should be a like I'm not saying I support this, but it should be a police state. It really should because like there's a freaking mass murderer that's just hiding around four years. Come out at any time of night, and they're just like, hey, let's just let this kid get pushed over a bridge. Anyway, um, I appreciate this. This is something so I, stupid. I do want to add real quick to that that scene, um, the fact that Corey hits like a fucking deep note with the kid picking on him because he saw that his that kid's dad picking on him your dad hates you that's yeah he basically like fuck you you're just bad because your dad picks on your ass and thinks you're a piece of shit and he just strikes that real deep chord like what the fuck i was like (laughs) that was a good Um, that was a good part this is kind of dumb but i i appreciate it i appreciate that they filmed this movie in savannah in north carolina but have Pepsi products everywhere because they are supposed to be in Illinois. I don't know if you caught that in the grocery store, but there was no Coke. Did. It was all Pepsi. And you're like in Coca-Cola country? But yeah, Savannah and North Carolina would be more Coca-Cola country. Savannah. Yeah. It's more molasses like this. <laughs> molasses pouring out your mouth. Uh, David Gordon. The office Green call. Took... He knows. <coughs> Jackass. <laughs> David Gordon Green took a master class on how to hide people in the shadows, I swear. I don't know if you guys caught it, but when the cop comes into the sewer and he's like shining his flashlight, there's a quick two-second glimpse where Michael's like in a fetal position, like hiding in the corner, like and like it's literally like that. And like I was well, I, I saw it in theaters and I rewound it on him Peacock. Like he's literally just like he's just sitting there avoiding the light, like shit, don't see me, don't see me, don't see me. <laughs> No, I, I yeah. see him standing. I'm like, he's just standing there. Like, how do you fucking miss that? Well, Corey's just standing there. But yeah, yeah I'm sorry, Corey. Corey's just standing there. Yeah, um, yeah. And then there's the other scene where um, Corey's killing the doctor. And I don't know if you noticed this, but like when the nurse first walks out, no he's sound. Her. No sound. No sound. But you see the shadow of an arm going like this. And I'm like, oh, there's someone back. Because I was always already looking for someone to be back there you know what i mean so i i noticed it and then and then they turned on like the light and that's when the sound kicked in but i'm like how is he doing that quietly yeah um, i was I, I thought that was i a cool scene but i thought it was fucking dumb because in the darkness you couldn't hear it i think it was just the supposed lights to be come a scene on the show that david gordon green and john carpenter really worked on like lighting and how to hide someone in the light kind of deal yeah like he would have done and oh uh, anyway i wrote Bro, Allison should really just listen, to be honest. <laughs> um, then there's that towards the end of the movie when Lori's standing in the kitchen after she calls Allison and leaves a voicemail or something like that. And they show a picture of Linda, Annie, and Laura, or yeah, Lori together, like the frame picture. That is not an actual like scene from 1978. That's a behind the scenes like continuity picture. For like their costumes or something like that, it's become like a like a thing that some of them will sign at um, conventions and stuff like that when they do it. So, as a as a deep cut nerd, it was cool to see a not just like a hey we took a frame from 1978 and framed it to be like oh she had friends back then, but like to have it be a behind the scenes photo was That's really, really cool. Um. Yeah, I thought so too. Like I said, because they could have very easily like, like 
for example, the picture of Judy Greer that they showed, the one picture of Judy Greer that they showed on Lori's phone looks like, hey, send us a selfie real quick so we can make it the background for this phone. Whereas like they didn't use something sentimental to Lori at all or anything like that. So to have that picture be the sentimental picture, I thought was cool. Um, They straight up do not mention Tommy once in this movie. And I'm okay with that. I didn't like what they did with the character and kills and hundred percent think it would have been a different story arc had it been Paul Rudd. I will fight that to the day. Like I die. Like if it had been Paul Rudd and not Anthony Michael Hall, definitely a different character arc for sure. Cause there's, there's no way you can write Paul Rudd going, I'm going to take old Huckleberry here and say night, night. Like it just doesn't work. Um, He'd be doing Paul Rudd things. Which he does in Halloween 6. He does Paul Rudd things. (laughs) Um, The ending. Let me explain this ending to you real quick. Please do. Because there's there's two things to it. Um, Number one, it's the fact... So the ending is they're showing Lori's house. They're showing parts of the town. They're showing the sewer. Like all that stuff, right? But what's important about that is... The fact that there's no there's no music or any sound in that scene at all, and it's as it's an opposite but a mirror to 1978, because the idea of Halloween in 1978 is that Michael Myers is the personification of evil. So when 1978 ends, they do that same exact shot of showing, you know, where Michael fell off the balcony onto the ground, where. The closet that Lori hid in the house, the the Myers house, things like that. But all you hear is Michael breathing throughout all of that. So for it to be completely quiet, to, to signify that it really is the end. He's no longer here. Is so evil cool. is no longer here. Yeah. There's also this. The reason they show the mask at the end um, is because there is Malika Cod who is the son of Mustafa Akkad, who helped John Carpenter finance the movie in 1978 and ultimately took over after John Carpenter said he was done with Halloween. Like he did the score for Halloween 3 and moved on. Mustafa took over. He unfortunately died in a terrorist attack in 2005, but his son took over. His son is also famous amongst fans for being the person that suggested Busta Rhymes for Halloween Resurrection. Oh, yeah. Because most, most of, <laughs> at the time, he was like 1920 when Resurrection came out. And Mustafa came up to him and goes, hey, we need someone big and popular to throw in our next Halloween movie. Who do you suggest? And Malik just goes, eh, Busta Rhymes, I guess. I don't know. And that, But at the time, he would have been a bigger person. So it makes sense. Um Malika Khan has a no death clause for Halloween movies. So Blumhouse still owns the rights, as far as I know, for the Halloween franchise. Give it about five to ten years and we'll get a reboot. Because as long as he's alive, as long as Malika Khan is alive, I think I, I'm sorry, I'm saying it wrong. I think it's Malik. Malika Khan is alive. There's a no Michael Myers death clause. So they can reboot it. Uh, my suggestion would be maybe pick up the thorn. Uh, storyline and go from there again because that'd be kind of cool but basically yes it's Halloween ends but it's I'll get to that in my review but just 
give it five to would 10 you, years. Would you say it's the end so far? The end so far. Um, the fact that they ended with Don't Fear the Reaper, which is another callback to 1978 because Lori and Annie are listening to it when they're smoking weed in their car before Sheriff Brackett goes, hey, guys. But yeah, Don't Fear the Reaper. Plus also like Michael Myers is the Reaper in a way. And now he's dead, so you don't need to fear him. Um, all right, all right. So mm-hmm. here's my notes from here's my notes from um, watch number two. The best Dude. reference ever. Are you gonna have notes for each viewing of it? No, no, no. I didn't write anything down for three. Okay, I'll say and I only have Christ. one. I only have one review. All right. There uh, the the best reference ever is the font and color of the title card. Uh, is the same, if not very similar to Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. David Gordon Green must be a huge fan of that movie because he's referenced it throughout all three films. Now, let's take that one step further. Uh, the font for Halloween 2018 is the same exact font that they used in Halloween 1978. The font for Halloween 2 is the same exact font they used in Halloween Kills. So the fact that like it was blue is because he's mirroring halloween threes font um and everything so like awesome that's cool as hell i loved it because i love halloween threes but like it's just it's it's so subtle of a reference that like it took me from 2018 to now to actually be like holy shit that's what he did so you'll be proud of me I've never seen Halloween 3, but I know, like, I know it's... You know what the title card looks like? I know the blue font associated with it. When I saw this in the theaters, I picked up, and I'm like, oh, that's Season of the Witch. Like, almost immediately, and I don't even know how... I'll give you that. that. I'll give you that, Cole, because I didn't pick up on that in theaters. It took me the second watch to realize Okay, yeah, I was like, oh, that's Halloween 3. Okay, cool. I picked on the 2 because I was like, why is it blue? Like, it's it's Halloween, it should be orange. And I was like, oh, he's doing the Season of the 3 thing. I was like, neat. Um... I like that they embrace Jamie Lee Curtis's real wit and humor and work it into the character of Laurie. Total 180 from 1978 so when Laurie was reserved and quiet and wouldn't even consider talking to Ben Tramer about going on a date. And now she's just like, rip your fucking shirt off and show grief your tits and be like, fuck you. And I'm like, yeah, that's Jamie Lee Curtis in real life. Like, She's cool grandma now. Um... Expanding on that, she's still kind of shy and quiet when it comes to Frank. Because, like, he's like, hey, Lori. And she's like, hey. <laughs> yeah, kind of a little, little closed up there. But, yeah, I get it. Um, I like the junkyard dude, Ronald. He was cool. Hate that he gets killed. I know Corey didn't do it. I was so bummed that he died. But the Such arc of his guy. character. I liked him, the, too, yeah. The arc of his character reminds Wait, me of Dream. I think it was supposed to be like a guy that was dating his mom. I took because him as kind of like a like a stepdad type of yeah, because he character. called him Ronald. He never called him dad. He always called him Ronald or Ronnie. Yeah, yeah. that was the vibe I got. And, I and it seems like, like he, Corey like he was only for working there because like of the fact that he was like dating his mom or whatever. Um, but anyway, I hate that he died. And his character arc reminds me of Danny Trejo's character from Rob Zombie Halloween. Um. Danny Trejo's character in Rob Zombie's Halloween was like the one nice person to Michael and Michael just kills him no matter what because that's what he did. Michael just kills. Um, I, think he was. I know there, 
I know there isn't a traditional chase scene, et cetera, but I do feel the score is underutilized compared to previous scores of the trilogy in the trilogy and even the original set of films. I feel like throughout the original set of films and throughout Halloween 2018 and 20 and kills, you get constant score. And I feel like there's just a lot of like dead silence in this movie. I can see that because honestly, like I didn't pick up on a lot of the Halloween theme. I feel um, like it's it's pretty abundant in the other movies. Well, even like go back to like 1978 real quick. Like you you get the opening right away for the credits, and then like you see like just like a hint of like Judith walking upstairs, and you get like it's constant like noise. And like I feel like there was just a lot of quiet in this movie. Uh I will point out this one thing about the soundtrack though that I because I do I you guys know I'm a nerd. You guys know I'm a huge fucking nerd. So I ended up listening to the soundtrack on Spotify to kind of analyze it a little bit more. It's not my favorite Carpenter soundtrack. Um, It's not the strongest of the current three that he has out, uh, but it fits the movie well because it's very, it's a slow build like the movie is. The movie's a slow build. Um, But there's, if you listen to like, I think this is supposed to be another reference, but I'm not entirely sure. So I'm not going to count it as one. But if you listen to like Halloween 2, but more specifically Halloween 3 soundtrack, um, there's this like, John Carpenter used to work with this guy named Alan Howarth. And there's this like underlining synth, dark synth sound throughout the entirety of Halloween 3. Like you get this like do 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 do, but like underneath you get yeah. That's what I like about Halloween three. And I uh, picked there was a few moments in this Halloween in soundtrack that it came up in, like that underlining dark synth sound. But the one that I picked up the most was in the junkyard scene, and it it makes sense. Because it's kind of more like the action he's seen. But like I was like, is he trying to purposely like channel Alan Howard's like style? Because it, it sounded cool. Um then we got oh, this is a joke I wrote. I wrote uh don't fear the grocery store prices because don't fear the Reaper was playing during the grocery store scene on like a it was like a grocery store quartet version of it or like instrumental version of it Didn't uh, you have another joke too? yeah i did i'll get to it okay i thought you were to open up with that the the second watch or yeah the second watch is when i um realized nick castle was saying the see anything you like line uh i also wrote down yeah this party scene is a little too much like the one from rob zombie halloween 2 for me not a fan still wasn't a fan of that scene not a fan of Lindsay's character to be honest she seems lost throughout the film she really did. Um, she was doing tarot at one point, and then she was tending bar at one point, and then like you saw her for like a second during the funeral procession. Um, uh, <laughs> this is in regards to one of the bullies. Why? Why does this man got one drumstick? Literally just one drumstick. He had two. No, he had one. No, you, you can't really see the one, but he had two. He just he, but he always, only he was always flipping around one. one. Yeah, boy only had one. And he dropped the one. 
I hated his haircut and his blonde ass eyebrows. I hated him so much. Like, looking like one of the mother looking like the motherfucker from uh, Die Antwoord. God, canceled. Big time. Uh, the setting of this one totally gives me the same vibe as Halloween Four, which I feel has the strongest fall slash Halloween feeling in the series. Uh, this is in regards to that scene where they're driving on the um, right after the nurse and the doctor get killed. The scene I like to refer to as the evil rides tonight scene because I was fully expecting Michael Myers to be on the motorcycle with Corey instead of Allison. But they play music. They play a song. Again, this goes back to my point about like score. That's a part where you could have put score in, right? No, they played a song that was specifically written for the movie in place of score. Um, Which I... I felt was weird because ghosts specifically wrote hunter's moon last year for halloween kills and they don't play it until the the credits right so why are we playing the song that was made for the movie during the movie it just seemed weird to me and also just not very like halloween in a way you know because they don't really use like licensed music other than like don't fear the reaper and things like which i thought was i mean honestly i thought it was weird that ghost wrote a song for the movie because like that seemed that seemed out of pocket for for them to do. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's, use it during it's not a bad song. It's not a bad song, but that's not something they normally Usually do. when you write one for a movie, too, it, it's, it's like in the this. Movie you somewhere. play in the movie. Yeah. Um, I wrote down, the cop is trying to be stealth, yet has the brightest flashlight and clicks loud as fuck when he turns it on and off. Like, he was, like, literally just... With like the bright ass flashlight, I was like, "What is this, dude?" That flashlight might, oh. well, might as well gone. Wah 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 wah, so fucking bright. Uh, this is Michael just chilling, avoiding the light is creepy. Uh, here here's where I thought of this joke. Alternate title: Michael Myers in the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> also, how Michael Myers became a teenage mutant ninja turtle. <laughs> uh. Still not sure I understand the flashing sequence when Michael and Corey touched, as well as Michael's little like convulsing thing he did after he stabs the cop a couple times. I, I get it, but I, I again it's... I think that's I think that's him transferring a bit of the evil to him to bring back a body so he can get <clears throat> more energy to get going again. And I think that's also ultimately why in the end, um the fight was so quick and so easy on Lori's side. Is because Corey didn't kill enough and like his power was still like going through Corey. Limited. So when Corey like killed himself, it kind of like Died dissipated down. the powder in a way, in a way. It's like he's past his well, he's past his, well, they're both past their prime, honestly. Um so. well also if you listen to Michael that entire time, like that beating took it out of him because he's like struggling to breathe the entire yeah. like Michael breathes loud, but this is the loudest I've heard him breathe in 44 oh, years. Oh god, it was so annoying. <laughs> he's got asthma he's got mesothelioma he's got to call those numbers you he's know a mouth breather he's like <sighs> it's the mask he can't it breathe sounds like me after running for two minutes you don't run there's a reason because he can't breathe lydia ah. uh another reference i noticed allison and Corey walk up the stairs the same way judith and her boyfriend did in 1978 um th- the this little horn is- dogs 
This is what I wrote. How is Corey stabbing him so quietly? The subtle shadow of the arm movement was nice. Uh, I started to, I like hated the, the, the song that was written for the, the movie, which is like burn it down by boy Hesher or something like that. I was hating this song throughout the movie. It's like this song again. I like synth based songs, but please stop. Uh, uh, the sound on Peacock is terrible compared to my theatrical experience during the movie, the more horror centric parts, the mix gets noticeably turned down. Um, and that bothered me a lot because like you would get like the scene of like Michael opening the door and like grabbing the nurse and like ch- like throwing her into the wall. And like in, the, in I saw it in Dol- Dolby and all that. And in the theaters, it was like, <laughs> and in the on Peacock, it was like, like you could barely hear it. I feel, and I don't know why they did that, but it, it was noticeable to me. Um, I wish the radio tower had a bigger significance to the story. Yeah, because it was, literally it was giving me arts. like warrior vibes. And but here, also this is why too. Um, no, I can't talk about that yet. Right. Uh. Allison is wearing in the scene where Corey and Allison are chilling on the radio tower, and then like the DJ comes out and yells at him. Allison is wearing Lori's clothing from 1978, the double denim, like the denim shirt, and all that, um, which Lori later on wears as well when she fights Michael at the end, or Corey and Michael at the end. Um, when Corey falls off the radio tower, he sits up exactly the same way Michael does. In 1978, in the closet scene, where he just and is all of a sudden back up, ends up like the fucking Undertaker, man. Michael Myers did it first. Doesn't matter. Uh, this junkyard Take scene is kind. really. This junkyard scene is really well shot, like so fucking beautiful. There's a scene of Michael or Corey stomping Margot and uh, curb stomping Margot. But right before that happens, he walks into frame and something about the lighting where he walks into frame, I say is the third best example of extremely beautiful cinematography that we've gotten this year. Only, and it's third to the scene in Prey where they're in the tree with the the mountain lion or whatever it was. And the scene in Nope with OJ getting chased by the UFO. Like, I, just that one little scene of like Michael towering over her, but the lighting behind him, ooh, perfect. Another joke I wrote. <laughs> Real talk. Did they get TV in at Smiths Grove? And if so, did Michael watch American History X? His head stomping people left and right. He, I'm pretty sure he's done that like four times between three movies. Practical effect they used for that one was. <laughs> I always, I always like. I always like that they use a bass drop in that scene every time he drops his foot because it's always boom. It's so heavy. Uh, when Corey goes to kill his mom, the whole sequence of him putting the knife or getting the knife is a mirror image of 78 when Michael goes to kill Jesus. Okay, real quick. What the fuck was up with his mom slapping him and then saying, no, oh, I'm 100% sorry, and it was... then kissing him? It's what 100%. the fuck was that? She she is abusive. 
Yeah. You, you can you can pick up on the incest vibes there, buddy. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck, man? No, like, look, that's all fucked up. Don't get me wrong. That's all fucked up. Her biggest sin in this whole movie is her goddamn milk glass during the dinner scene with the spaghetti sauce all over it. There's two Halloween 20 or Halloween H2O references in this movie that I highly appreciate. The first one being, uh, well, the first happening in the movie is when Corey goes to kill the radio DJ. It's kind of a mirror of the scene where Michael just walks past a window where LL Cool J just happens to not be looking at the time. And like, so Corey does the same exact thing because the DJ wasn't looking and Michael or Corey just goes and walks right past him. It looks exactly like that scene. Um, H2O? Yeah. Hello, Coach. I was an H2O? Yeah. He plays a security guard and you're he survives. Have, you're saying we have Busta Rhymes and LL Cool J in this overall franchise? franchise? Yeah. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, and then the other one happens when Lori and Michael are fighting and Michael grabs Lori's hand and goes for the garbage disposal. There is a highly like almost garbage disposal hand thing going on in H20 at one point. Um, that is the same scene where the CGI mask was featured in H20. Just fun little fact there. Uh, why he got to ruin the record slash turntable like that? Most brutal thing of a witness in this movie, to be honest. All so the mad about, to be honest. I'm so mad about that. Also, why did Scratching no one like call that place up and be like, hey, yo, what's up with the record? Because it was like on the radio. Scratching, I was like, oh, Jesus. I was like, you never get the blood of the groove like that, man. Uh, while I said my comments earlier about the score throughout this movie, the scene with Lori faking a suicide call to trick Michael, or she didn't fake the suicide call, but you know what I mean, to trick Michael, Corey, having zero music makes it so much more intense to the point that I believe she really is going to do it for a second in the theater. And I told myself the minute the pumpkin that showed the minute the pumpkin showed up on screen, it would come into play. Like lack of score sucks. Put the lack of score in that scene. And like all of a sudden you just hear a gunshot and splatter. I was like, oh shit, she really did. And I knew the pumpkin was going to be it. But like the lack of score made it real. I, I can um, get that too because I was like there's no way she's just going to do that and I was like this has to be a setup and then I saw the pumpkin I was like it's a setup uh, 44 years later Michael gets his revenge with the knitting needle and then mm-hmm. my final note is okay the synth track is finally growing on me I got Stockholm Syndrome with it by the end uh, final thoughts wow what an interesting final or finale to 44 years worth of storytelling the film for sure is going to definitely split the fan base by a lot let me put this in a legacy sequel sense what halloween 2018 did was bring old fans back and introduce new fans to in the same way the force awakens did for star wars halloween kills did the same thing the last jedi did gave a different unusual take on an old property and divided the fans between love and hate halloween ends on the other hand is nothing like Rise of Skywalker, where you kind of get the end of the saga and it brings the haters back and neatly wraps up everything with nicely. No, Halloween ends says, we gave you two very strong films and we're wrapping up everything from, or everything, wrapping everything up 
for our story in a blood-soaked bow. And if you if you like it, cool. If you don't, cry about it because we don't care. I, for one, liked it. As a diehard Halloween fan, I can see where other heart diehards wouldn't. But also as a diehard Halloween franchise fan, you learn to live even you learn to love even the weaker entries into the franchise. I'm looking at you, Halloween Six and Resurrection. Story-wise, it's a movie about grief and shared trauma, and metaphorically and physically overcoming your demons that haunt you. It's a slow burn, but ultimately I think it's a fitting and proper end. This movie truly felt final, and I don't see another being made in my lifetime. I want to take that back, though. I can see five seniors, but personally, I want, let me die before, because I don't want to get invested again kind of deal. Um A couple strong points of this film are the wonderful directing style that David Gordon Green has used throughout his trilogy, a style you can tell he worked with John Carpenter to perfect, as well as his pullback on references. I counted 25 to 30 during Halloween 2018 and at least 15 in Halloween Kills. In this film, I counted five to maybe 10 at most. I feel like, yes, there was references, but they were not as like in your face as the other ones were. Overall, I'm happy with what I saw. My one and only complaint, if I'm being honest, is that I got a bit of a Rob Zombie Halloween 2 vibe from a character, and it just annoyed me the whole movie. And then, just real quick, my rewatch review. uh, I still love it. I stand by my previous review. There's some goofy stuff in it, but there that goes with horror territory. Also, I would like to add, this movie is about survivor's guilt, loss, and trying to start over. It's all the themes set up in 2018 coming to a fitting conclusion. This reason... The reason I love this movie so much is honestly because it tells the audience to go fuck itself. This was never the audience's story to relate to. This was David Gordon Green and Danny McBride's story they wanted as a kid. It makes so much sense it's calling the audience out about slasher films and how fucking stupid people are for relating to literal serial killers instead of the victims and people and are like, why Why is my slashy slasher movie not gory? And then cry about it because they are part of the issue that's being called out. That's the, that's the genius with all three of these films. Is David Gordon Green wanted to reboot Halloween and Danny McBride wanted to reboot Halloween, but he wanted to make it about the people. Every like Michael is a consistent in the franchise. Freddie is a consistent in his franchise. Jason, same thing. But like people celebrate. And I, I, to a point, I can understand why, but people celebrate those characters, whereas David Gordon Green looked at it as, why are we celebrating the murderer and not the people going through it? I also, think that's why, I just that's why I, like I don't like those movies because like we're just getting the same dude doing the same shit over and over again. But that's Give why me- that's why I like these movies, the David Gordon Green ones, so much is because he's willing to take that different approach and make it grounded in reality to a point and be like this is essentially a human interest piece and i think that's why i like these more because it relates more to the people that are dealing with it not the other way around a couple more points i want to make uh i fully believe david gordon green uh a hundred percent remade halloween three and then shut the people shut the fan the fan or the people that don't like halloween three up because the big what's the biggest complaint about halloween three is the fact that exactly what did he do he remade halloween three and put michael myers in it 
Yeah. He's a hundred. I'm telling you, man, he's a hundred percent a Halloween three fan. The, the, he had them, he had the masks in Halloween 2018. He had them again in Halloween kills prominently because he put them, he made Michael put them on victims and all that. And Halloween three is literally a whole separate story that's not really about Michael set in the Halloween universe exactly like Halloween or Halloween ends is exactly like Halloween three was, but with Michael in it. Also, this is why I feel like the radio tower should have had more point to it is because I feel like th- there was an early leak leak that obviously was completely fake of this movie could have been like that radio tower and they showed in Halloween kills too, by the way, the radio tower that the radio tower could have been controlling Michael this whole time because he was constantly looking out at the town. Maybe he was looking at the radio tower, getting his powers back. I know it sounds stupid, but there is a small way you can write this movie to have the radio tower controlling Michael Myers. And I think it would work, especially if you're going with the whole Michael Myers is in the movie, but it's not about him storyline. You know what I mean? Um, I 100% absolutely applaud david gordon green and danny mcbride for writing these three movies i think they did something that no other slasher film series is ever going to be able to do first of all and also just too scared to do which is again calls out the audience for literally celebrating a mass murderer and giving the story back to the people because ultimately that's why we have Final Girls. That's why we have Laurie Schrode for six movies now or something like that is because we do care about those characters, but they get pushed back or they don't return in the franchise. And so the franchise just becomes about the killer. And that's kind of like what Halloween was never really supposed to be about anyway. First of all, Halloween was supposed to be an anthology series if it ever got a sequel. That's why you get Halloween 3. And second of all, that what do they throughout the entire franchise? That's what they focus on is the people, you know. In Halloween one and two, it's about Jamie or it's about Laurie Strode. Halloween four and five and partially six, it's about Laurie Strode's daughter. Halloween seven is about a member of the Laurie Strode family and things like that. Yeah. Anyway, um, basically, it's about the people. I love it. Great. Uh, then I'll go ahead and run through this real fast. I promise real fast. Overall ranking of the franchise as a whole. So we're going to start with number 13, cool. which is uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Absolute dog shit. Refuse to watch it. Refuse to fucking watch it. Okay. This may, if, I, if I wanted to see Hobo Michael Myers with white trash mom and a white horse and like half a mask and he talks at one point i wouldn't want to see that movie. anyway uh number 12 rob zombies halloween that one has grown on me throughout the years it's still not good though um number 11 halloween five revenge of michael myers that one absolutely ugh. number 10 halloween two uh i recently because i obviously did a franchise rewatch for spooky season um and it was just boring man like i was not in that movie at all 
Um, number nine, Halloween Resurrection, the Buster Rhymes movie. It's fun. If you don't like it, you're stupid. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but if you don't like it specifically because it's like Buster Rhymes is in the movie, like doesn't he actually just... fight? Doesn't he like spin kick Michael Myers in that one? <laughs> He does kung fu to Michael Myers. Uh, he also calls him yeah. a chicken fried motherfucker. <laughs> um, number eight, Return of Michael Myers or Halloween 4. Number seven, Curse of Michael Myers or Halloween 6. Number six, Season of the Witch or Halloween 3. Number five, Halloween Kills. Okay. Number four, Halloween 2018. Number three, Halloween Ends. Wow. Number two, Halloween H20. Um, I know I said it last year, but I'll say it again. That is the movie that started the entire franchise for me. I was on bed rest after an open heart surgery. It was playing on FX at night, censored. Uh, I couldn't sleep. I was drugged up and i turned it on which i vaguely remember i don't know drugs got to me um but the one thing i do remember is this one specific line so we all know the line in uh snakes on a plane i'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on the motherfucking plane well on fx and things like that they censor it to i'm tired of these monkey fighting snakes on this monday to friday plane so in Halloween age 20, 20 years later, there's a there's a scene where Josh Harnett's character, which is Laurie Strode's son in this timeline, um, scares LL Cool J. And he goes, holy shit, you scared the shit out of me. Well, in the censored version, it goes, lickety snot, you scared the snot out of me. <laughs> and like whenever I watch it at home on DVD in the um, or on Blu-ray on like the uh, collection that I have it throws me off not hearing that version of the line <laughs> honestly watching the movie on fx is probably the shittiest way you can watch a movie Dude, i just learned favorite. i just learned the other day though that like the fx version like has added scenes apparently that aren't on any other version <laughs> and it's become like a rare thing to be to have in your halloween collection like hmm. if you have like a bootlegged version of it people will buy it for hundreds of dollars Jesus, that's wild. Um, I mean, yeah. Anyway, so what's number one? Oh, number one is 1978. Obviously, the one that started it all. The one I mean, that would not exist without, or would not. All the other movies would not exist without it. Um. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this movie. I know I've watched it three times. I might watch it one more. I don't know. Uh, but I'm. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it for what you did and, and didn't enjoy the parts that you didn't enjoy. It makes total sense for who you guys are as movie watchers. I understand that like you also aren't like super nerd like me when it comes to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I will 100% admit that like my super nerdness for this franchise totally comes from the Halloween 20 experience of again, laying in bed, being on drugs, tr- recovering from a surgery, and there like, was hey, a lot of stuff I liked in this movie. Like I liked all the kills and stuff like that. There was good stuff. It was just the story arc that was kind of like, like I said, kind of blocky for me. I hate uh, what there was a line in it that I absolutely hated where Margo's like, and you're dead too. Like you couldn't even warn him. You'd be like, hey, yo, he's behind you. But she's like, nah, you about to die, bro. 
Oh, shit. All right. Uh, for Moviecation, I'm Brady. I'm Joe. I'm Cole. Oh, am I supposed to say? Uh, oh, Jesus. Okay, we are not, not hiring her. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. Bye.